Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Stacks. This is Jay. And I'm Virshana. Of course. Had to go uh, with the easy one for once. It was was such a given, uh, this one. Uh, There was nothing else that could have come close. No, I really couldn't have thought of anything else. Uh, But this week, first, we're covering Killing Spree, a a 1987 film from director Tim Ritter, uh, sort of fundamental to the homemade Florida horror scene. Oh, there's a there's a Florida horror like a specific Florida horror scene. I mean, there's all sorts of regional horror scenes. I watched a documentary oh, so. on this last year called uh, "Blood Guts and Sunshine." Tim Ritter is one of the really major figures in uh, uh, Florida horror. You know, because it, it he sort of started off the SOV revolution with this and his previous film, uh, "Truth or Dare: A Critical Madness." Uh, which okay <laughs> so i i have this film too although it's only available on dvd and it's ooh, it's it i mean it's kind of similar to this one it's got the same setup it's this guy he comes home and he finds his wife sleeping with another man so this one <gasps> she actually did it oh she actually did it a oh, spoiler alert the <laughs> lisa is not tearing him apart in this I mean, it's obvious. It's really obvious that he is not that, that she's not he's, actually cheating. It's it's so ridiculous. And it's really obvious that he's not well. Oh yeah, the guy is messed up. Uh, but in, in the original one, yeah, she cheats on him, and then uh, I mean, he goes on a killing spree. It's it's the same basic thing. It's just okay. in that one, he also does this thing where he plays truth or dare. Oh, <laughs> like he, he's playing games of truth or dare. Like he picks up people and does truth or dare. And then I, I, he ultimately cuts his own face off doing truth or dare no. with uh, an imaginary friend. Cause he's always doing these truth or dare games with an imaginary friend who dares him to do horrible things. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's his previous film. And this one, you know, it, it's, it's, it's honing the concept. It's honing the style. Uh, Asbestos felt was in the previous one, but he wasn't the main character there. Asbestos Felt. Asbestos Felt. Incredible name. (laughs) What a name. And he really looks like a guy who should be named that. Yeah, he looks he looks like a a better Hulk Hogan. Uh, He's just this huge rangy ginger dude. He's got so much facial hair. His his like the hair on his head is incredible. It's just so everywhere. He he's got that sort of uh, light socket look. Yeah, yeah. He looks like. What like what I always imagine the mythical Florida man looks like. All right, he he is Florida man in this. This is sort of a proto Florida man killing spree film. Uh, it's it's just whew, it's it's so strange. Uh, you you feel the Florida energy to it. <laughs> well, I've never been to Florida, so I no neither have I. But I mean, I read a lot of news. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of the things I, I enjoy with the beginning, uh, the cheap opening effects, the the credits, a blood drip effect for every single credit in the opening credits. <laughs> it's like, oh, blood dripping down. It's like, okay, that's kind of cute. And then they do it for every single one. It's like, okay, I got it. It's a killing spree. <laughs> uh, both of these films have blood dripping from uh specific points in uh paintings and or por- portraits mm-hmm. yeah this so blood dripping from the from the photo theme right episode today. yeah i don't know yeah 
So, uh, Tom, our main guy, Asbestos Felt, <laughs> uh, he very fascinating character. He's just this, as I wrote in my review of it, an impotent ball of rage. He's just so angry at everyone. I don't understand why he's married. I don't understand why he has any friends. I don't understand anything about him because the only thing that makes sense about him is the killing spree. Yeah, yeah. Like, and the way people interact with him, it's like they're interacting with somebody who isn't him, who they think is there. He's so angry and sarcastic about absolutely everything. He's just this absolute fucking ball of rage he's like an embodiment of uh the reddit am i the asshole channel he's like the living embodiment of the worst posts there oh my god yeah 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 so am i the asshole because i thought my wife was cheating on me so i killed all the people that she cheated on me with but it turned out she wasn't cheating on me am i the asshole yeah it's that sort of thing he's got that kind of and it's just with every single interaction he has and it's kind of also everybody else in the movie is one of those people other than the <laughs> wife i guess really the wife is the only innocent she's the only one who's uh you know uh, judged to be not the asshole everybody else is a fucking dickwad mm-hmm. like the, the first person we meet other than Tom is the fucking nosy neighbor, Mrs. Palmer, who's fake old, by the way, which is. Really <laughs> oh, amazing. is she? <laughs> yeah, she's clearly like it's it's a pretty like she's older than the others, but you know she's wearing a gray wig. It's pretty obvious. Oh, <laughs> uh, she's she's funny. I, I like her. This is a great nosy neighbor character. Yeah, she's so and she like she's sort of simpatico with Tom. They don't like each other, but they're similar characters in that they're just so full of hate for everyone around them and they have just nothing but hate in their hearts. And they have to have absolute control over their surroundings. Yeah, she's she's like the HOA lady. You know, she she's the mm-hmm. one who's the most pain in the ass neighbor you've ever had. And she's your lawn is an inch too tall. That she's that lady. She is, and she's constantly complaining about her husband Herman, who's in a wheelchair because he had a stroke last year, and she just fucking hates everything about it. She hates Herman. She hates her life. She hates her neighbors. Mm-hmm. And he does not care about anything that she's got to say. I mean, why would he? Why? Why, why would why, anyone? Why? Why would he? Yeah. Yeah, she she is that really obnoxious neighbor, and I get it, but it's also just immediately both of them come at each other with pure aggression. They're <laughs> like neither like both of them visibly hate each other and have no interest in talking to each other, but they're so angry and they need to come and fucking hit each other. Uh, it's it's like fighting cats, you know, neighborhood cats is like, well, <laughs> we're both we've both shown up. The new cat is home on their territory and like, OK, we better go yell at each other right now. <laughs> yep. The whole uh, hair standing on end and hissing thing. I mean, he Although... does look like a cat with hair standing on end a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is real homemade cinema. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so it, one of the things is it looks like it's shot on video. This is, was actually shot on 16 millimeter. It's just that the negative was lost. So this is uh, only from the tape masters for the original VHS release. Oh, okay. Okay. Which is unfortunate because it does have some cool visual stuff that it, I think would look nicer if it were the original film materials. The lighting is good. Like I, I compared this when I was watching this 
uh, to the room and that it's got similar acting and energy, but this has special effects while the room does not. Right. And I guess the thing about the room is that it is extremely, uh, they, they spent way more money than seems even possible or reasonable looking at the end product. This is sort of mm-hmm. in the opposite direction where the, the end product is really good for how little money they clearly spent. And yeah. it has a style to it. There's there's a real visual panache. Like you said, the lighting, especially for his uh, angry react scenes. <laughs> yeah, or his uh, hallucination scenes, or just yeah. when he goes crazy. Right. So, I mean, yeah. in terms of how homemade this is, the house that all of this is shot at is Al Nicolosi's actual house, uh, the producer. Oh. <laughs> so they are just shooting at someone's house uh, that they know and all of that. Oh, yeah. The the Doris Wishman special. I mean, if it yeah. works. Oh, uh, absolutely. And this does have some Doris Wishman parallels and energy, especially to the one we covered, Another Day, Another Man. Uh, oh, yeah. Just, it, it's got a lot of that in it, uh, but it sort of takes a slightly different path where he becomes useless uh, by external factors rather than through his own, although some of it is his own doing. He, this guy, 100% creates his own hell. Oh, completely. And I think that's sort of the point of the movie. It, it is making fun of him. It is a satire on him. Yeah, yeah. He he is not meant to be sympathetic. We are not no. supposed to be rooting for him. No, we, we think he's amusing, but he's also obviously overreacting. And the twist, of course, is that he's making it out of absolutely nothing and has no capability to communicate with his beautiful wife, Lisa. And of course, yeah. In terms of thinking of it next to the room, she's named Lisa. (laughs) He's named Tom. Yeah. Uh, She is so happy to see him. She's always uh, completely open and bubbly and great with him. It's he just he has no energy to match it. Yeah, she is in love with him for some reason. And he just comes home, he's tired, he's angry, he's sullen. You know, he had to talk to the neighbor, and he hates the neighbor, so he comes in mad about that, and he's mad about his job, and he just doesn't have any time for her. Yeah, and she's like, oh, I'm gonna cook some, uh, whatever, I hate loaf. Pork chops. Pork chops, that's uh, it. Pork chops, because Ben is coming over to dinner. I'm like, oh no, not tonight, I, uh, man, not that jackass, that's all I need. And she's like... He's your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in the very, like, the room way, like, Mark is your best friend, Tommy. Well, yeah, but also, yeah. <laughs> but she feels like you're the one who invited him. Oh, you well, set the whole thing that. up. What are you talking about? He's like, eh, well, but fine, I don't, because I'm mad now. Uh, I, I don't get any of his relationships because he seems no. to absolutely despise everyone in his life. Yeah, like, I, I think... It just feels like they think that he's this sweet, nice guy and just aren't noticing what an asshole he is. Like, they just don't see the things he says or does or what he looks like. It's so weird. Well, it feels kind of like an illustration of what I was talking about last last week with the boiling frog thing mm. that they're, they've all been in it for a while. So, I, you know, he just seems like, I mean, this is what Tom's like. But uh, we come into it where he's at the breaking point. It's like, man... What's this guy's problem? (laughs) (laughs) And we don't find out why he was pissed off before. We find out why he becomes pissed off later. But why did he start angry? We don't know. 
Well, I mean, it's a bit of everything. He just seems to be this person who is in an angry spiral. He He's someone, he's like every mass shooter today. He uh, is, like, th- this is a, an interesting psychological profile of the mass murderer uh, in, in the 80s. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. He's, he's so uh, pissed off about his job and his pay and his wife and he's jealous and he suspects her but obviously he's not going to communicate with her at any time he, he does a lot of the same beats as your basic family annihilator he it's just he doesn't really have a does. family to annihilate no he just <laughs> annihilates every delivery man <laughs> anybody who uh, happens to come by the house because he won't let his wife outside of the house yeah so she has to make up fantasies because she's so bored and also he has no interest in any interaction with her he's obviously not sleeping with her there's no sort of uh love or sexual interaction between them even though they're newlyweds supposedly yeah they've just been married for six months yeah and it it's not on her side it's it's all coming from him (laughs) (laughs) yeah like it's just this weird feeling that when him and anyone else is in the conversation it's like are these two people having the same conversation? Cause the one person will always be so nice and he'll just be so mean. And it's this weird disconnect. It feels like he was like, he doesn't belong in the world that he's in. Well, it's like he has a personality disorder. He, he seems to have an antisocial personality disorder, like dangerously. So, Oh yeah. <laughs> he's, he's so completely triggered by everything anyone says or does. Like the pork chops thing is a really great illustration of that. He's like, I just hate pork chops so much. <laughs> okay, man. They're just pork chops, dude. Chill out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and then in terms of the people he surrounds himself with. So Ben, his, his apparent best friend, he's like, like way older than 30 them. years older than him. Yeah. Which he's a pilot because they all work for Lisa used to work for the airline. All of them work for the same independent airline. That's kind of screwing all of them. (laughs) And she was a stewardess. Uh, He's ground. Tom is ground crew and Ben is a pilot. And he has this beef with pilots. (laughs) (laughs) A very pilots specifically with how they just have losies in every town with their, uh, layovers part of the pun the layover yeah he he really digs into the word layover every time it comes up and ben. just ben i mean he's he's an old boomer yeah. <laughs> he's very straightforward he loves to compliment the ladies to a degree that is not acceptable anymore uh-huh. <laughs> yeah he's extremely old school in sort of an annoying way he's the guy who hangs around the car shop he's one of those dudes uh, we we still have them around they're the aging boomer population they're <laughs> they're they're everywhere we still know these guys oh but yeah, he's not i, mean, he's I work not at the awful. car shop these people yeah, are real yeah no exactly uh you you know these guys you know ben yep. loads of bens mm-hmm. <laughs> and He's annoying and he's gross. He's dating a girl who just turned 18, which is really fucked up. And they're all like, yeah, that's gross. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. in Tom was like, ew, ew. What's wrong with you? Gross, yeah, man. Even you're, gross she... Tom is like, dude, you're gross. Yeah. Well, Tom is grossed out by everything Ben does. Well, so, true, I mean, true. that's kind of standard. I think it's more, more notable that Lisa's like, I can't believe he's dating 
woman who could be his granddaughter. It's messed up. Because mm-hmm. Lisa seems to be very positive about everyone. Even gross dudes. Mostly gross dudes. Man, none of these people <laughs> deserve Lisa. They're all gross dudes. I mean, none of them have her. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. He's he's an incel despite being married and could get yeah. sex whenever he wants. Yeah, he's got that incel lifestyle. He's just so filled with rage that he just can't connect with the wife who he has who wants to be with him and is obviously like she's developing all these elaborate sexual fantasies. She's bored. She's mm-hmm. stuck at home. He won't let her go to work. It's it's like Lucia. It's it, the guy and the guy's name of that was Tomas. Another Tom. <laughs> Tomas. Yeah. yeah. And it, Honestly, this Tom would have been better off doing it the way Tomas did and just keeping her in the house and staying there with her and watching her all the time because <laughs> he would see that nothing's actually going on. Yeah. At least Tomas was having sex with her and was into her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom needs a slanderous mambo about him. And oh, while absolutely. we don't get that... Oh. <laughs> the end credits rap song. Oh my God. I mean, we're, we're far from it, but that is... Maybe the best part about this whole movie is that at the end credits, there is a rap song about the entire plot of everything that happens in the movie, describing all the kills. And it is mm, beautiful. So good. Done by asbestos, performed by asbestos felt himself. Hell yeah. I want an asbestos felt rap album. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Classic Electro from 87. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we get the background through all the conversation with Ben, how, you know, where they work They're for this budget airline. And he made Lisa quit when they got married because the layover thing, the jealousy. Uh He's like, well, I, you know, I don't I, I, you know, I'm worried about her because he doesn't trust her, but he's never able to actually come out and say that he doesn't trust her. Yeah. and, And she even says, like. It's clearly not the case, but she says, no, it was our decision. Yeah, yeah. It was our decision. Uh, Maybe it was their decision together in in terms of they, uh, she she decided to go with it just to make him stop. You know, it's like he needs to chill out and I can't get him to chill out. So (laughs) this is the only way. Yeah, but it's a problem because they don't earn enough money now that she's not working. Right. It's a huge problem. And they keep getting pay cuts and he's supposed to be doing the second job, but he's not actually doing it and he's not showing up to work. So he's just <laughs> constantly <laughs> exacerbating the problem. Yep. But he's not looking for a solution. He's looking to go on a killing spree. He's on that trajectory. It's it's the same as the family annihilator thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the guy who gets fired and just goes out and is out of the house for the amount of time for work so that he can reliably claim that he was there. Yeah. That's the whole pretending to go to work thing. He's doing a bunch of that. He's just hanging out at the bar. Mm-hmm. And if he wasn't doing that, he could just be there watching the wife and knowing that she's not doing anything. He's just creating all his own problems. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he could just go in and oversee the electrician doing the thing. It's not like he's at work. He's not doing anything. He's just chatting with the stew master. <laughs> uh, stew master is great. He feels like he he feels like a the room character. Oh, he's good. I mean, there, there's nothing to him. We no. just know that 
he's the stew master and uh he describes why he's known as the stew master it's because he makes good stew it's very simple really yeah and tom's like wow that's a great story <laughs> it's the only person he likes in the whole movie <laughs> and stew master's the boss giving him the pay cuts <laughs> no or stew master no, isn't the boss the he's just another co-worker yeah. yeah he just gives him the news yeah so Ben is a divorcee. I don't know how long he's been divorced. This is where we learn that he's obviously having a midlife crisis and is dating this girl who just turned 18 named Angel, who's a real piece of work when we finally meet her. Angel sucks. She's super irritating. <laughs> I kind of don't blame Tom for wanting to kill her. Well, I get why he was pissed off at her, but like, I also don't get how any of this started because it just... I, the, <laughs> Tom does not make sense. Tom is, you know, floated in from a different movie. (laughs) So, or, you know, Tom is the only one that's in the right movie and everybody else is like, what is going on with you, Tom? (laughs) Accurately enough. Mm -hmm. So during their dinner where he just refuses to eat the pork chops and is really mad at his best friend and his wife and everyone and everything, his irritating neighbor shows up because she's got cramps. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. My husband ate all the laxatives. And I really, and I'm constipated. Do you have a laxative? I I need some relief. And he's like, okay, I'll go look for something, Mrs. Palmer. And he, he does that. He has this aggressive compliance voice, this malignant compliance voice yep. that he uses with everyone. That just like, yeah, I'll get right on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's going to fucking explode in rage at any time. <laughs> I love that we just have the camera lingering on Mrs. Palmer for like a good two minutes while he looks for the stuff. Well, because she's stealing. She's stealing. <laughs> we don't need to see him looking in the bathroom. We do need to see that she's such an awful, awful neighbor that she's he's doing her a favor and she's like stealing a magazine from him. <laughs> puts yeah. it up her shirt. <laughs> so yeah, he he you know he brings her the shit. And then yeah. Tom comes back to the kitchen or the dining room and Ben and like Lisa has moved one seat closer and he fucking loses his mind. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. He f- They're talking. <laughs> he flips his shit and kicks Ben out of the house. Yeah. And Ben is just like, man, we're just talking, chill out. And Lisa is also like, man, we're, we're, we've known each other for as long as I've known you. We're just talking we're we're all former co-workers he's telling me about his girlfriend yeah we're, we're all best friends here but he just like has co- completely gone off the deep end already mm-hmm. and then right after like ben leaves she immediately is like yeah you know i mean it was nothing but ew angel right he's dating an 18 year old isn't that fucked up that's gross <laughs> yep <laughs> Like, I mean, it is gross. And also, he was telling me about how he pleasures her, which, no, it was weird. I, uh, I, I yeah. didn't really want to hear it, but hey, whatever. Why Why did you throw him out? What's your problem? <laughs> so it, it, I don't know how much of it, he's referring to it here. And I feel like maybe it's sort of supposed to be the background to his rage is him living in the toxic masculine environment of airline pilots, which are all just specifically old boomer types. Oh, here. yeah, yeah. I mean, that, who that else seems could become to be. an airline pilot? 
Well, yeah, in in that period, exactly. Yeah. So it feels like that's where a lot of his issue, because he's obviously not mentally well. That's no. blatantly no. clear. <laughs> he's very fragile. He's extremely jealous. And he's just kind of a fucking wreck because he had this ex-wife who cheated on him and it just broke his mind. Yeah, yeah. And now he just assumes that this basically perfect woman who is completely devoted to him is going to cheat on him. Yeah. So he has this nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) I love the nightmare. (laughs) The nightmare is so bizarre because it's got Ben and Lisa talking again. The the most horrible thing that happened that day, Ben and Lisa were talking (laughs) and they they're having sex on the dinner table. (laughs) I love his reaction. He just like, looks at them his hair is even crazier than usual and he's just like just stop it this is where we got some of that great neon lighting just all crazy lighting all over the place and yeah his hair completely on end and ben's like hey yeah she gives great head watch and (laughs) oh yeah right (laughs) her her head turns into just this huge pair of lips and nothing else and they close down over ben's head and it like i guess it turns into a penis and it's ejaculating yeah it's like milk spraying out of his head into the lips which are now her head <laughs> he's just looking at this whole thing like horrified and so am i well yeah it's it's gross and it's interesting it's very surreal and like this is before lynch really started doing this stuff either like i think in the commentary track uh ritter refers to it as being sort of lynchian but i mean i don't think he would have been doing it from lynch at that point because i mean this is post blue velvet which doesn't really have any of that Mm. uh you know it's a great look and this is where (laughs) yeah he wakes up screaming and yeah his hair is just nuts it's everywhere (laughs) He yep. looks like, uh, do you remember Rugrats Angelica had one doll that just had fucking stupid hair? It's like this beat up doll that had hair just pointing out in three directions. Uh, looks I like don't that. remember that. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, him waking up screaming. Outstanding. <laughs> I just love she's like, you're not enough to satisfy me, Tom. I need a hundred men right which like it's all made up in his head there's no information coming from lisa that would suggest anything of this nature it is just purely him so next day at work there's the stew master thing which we mentioned yeah he gets the pay cut 40 percent pay cut man i'd walk yeah i'd quit fuck that that's crazy I mean, if you're an airline mechanic, you'll get a job. Yeah. And so also we learned that Ben called in sick, which raises his suspicion right away. Gasp. Could and we know be... that Ben called in. Well, he called in sick to bang his fucking 18-year-old girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Stewmaster even mentions that or or yeah. Tom does. Well, I, I, he refers to that, you know, he probably has this uh, hot new tale and that's why he's just not showing up. But for whatever reason, Tom, even though he knows he has this young girlfriend, he immediately decides it must be about him because everything's about him because he's the main character. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, am I the asshole? Am I wrong? <laughs> uh, 
so Lisa, you know, he comes home because he's got this 40% pay cut and he's mad as hell. Yeah. And Lisa suggests, well, you know, I, I was talking with my friend. I, I She wants me to come back. It's exactly the same thing as uh, the Tomas stuff where it's like, well, they, they do want me back at the revolutionary office, you know, <laughs> so I, I would like to do that. Yeah, I don't actually want to be inside. I want to make our... <laughs> relationship better by bringing money in so that you're not freaking out like you're obviously doing yeah she's like come on there's so many things i could do why do you need me home here when you're not here anyways and you uh you're you're not even here when i'm when you are here you know when he is there he's totally fucking absent yeah he's just thinking about how much he hates all the people who are sleeping with her Right, and like she's say she wants to go out and do some shopping. Like we could get dinner, go do stuff. He's like, no, I'm too tired and angry. <laughs> it's like that Simpsons thing. Like, oh, let's have sex. No pig. Yeah, yeah, flush. And she, she was too busy this afternoon to shop. Which you know, this immediately sets off his alarm receptors again. Like, well, why didn't you have fucking... time to go out earlier? Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, uh, whatever. And she she talks about how she st- has this degree in journalism. She's like, well, you know, maybe I could do something with that. I mean, we're we're clearly setting up the twist, which is so so obvious That's very funny. early on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I feel there is no point at which the audience should believe that Lisa is cheating because uh, I certainly never did. <laughs> they telegraph it like the diary is left out on the coffee table. <laughs> right that's right here yeah oh that's right here or, uh yeah because he's first he's organizing the magazines on the table and he scoffs at romping romance which is also a key plot point romping mm. romance being the magazine that she's trying to uh sell her stories to well, not trying to she's succeeding oh yeah successfully <laughs> uh but yeah he's like romping romance uh sex uh i like violence which again the american psyche in the 80s right so he picks up a copy of fangoria which has an ad for truth or dare critical madness on the back nice nice like yeah that's the cool stuff yeah (laughs) and then yeah his lisa's diary is just there on diary notebook is there on the the table because it's there with romping romance because she's you know reading those to get an idea of how the style that they use and then making up stories based on it. Yeah, <laughs> and of course he reads it. Right, and who is the only person, only man she's had any contact with who has any sort of sexual energy? But Ben, because he was there last night, so she wrote a fake story about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, this is the first of just neon lighting as asbestos felt reacts and i can't get enough of it every time it's funnier <laughs> oh yeah i i sent a photo of like it zooming in on his face because i paused it i had to pause it it was so funny and sent the photo and then it wasn't it just it keeps on going been, hadn't been done zooming on his face it just kept going after the photo and i'm like it's already fills up the whole screen we're almost going into his nose yeah, it just goes all the way in. So, of course, 
he immediately believes the worst. He he goes all the way like, oh, it's it has to absolutely be true. You know, he was he called in sick. This is is definitely what he was doing this afternoon. There's no other answer. None whatsoever. And he goes on an angry walk, which <laughs> he goes in the woods. He's he's recalling all of these great times they had on the beach one time, I guess, because he doesn't have much to fl- flash back to. They've only been married six months and it doesn't seem like they go and do stuff. <laughs> I he's wonder he's too even, tired to do things. You think they even had a honeymoon? Maybe this is it. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, maybe. They hung out on the beach, which he goes to. He goes to the beach and he punches out that one guy. He just starts punching people on the beach. (laughs) He's like walking up to the beach and he's on like a a boardwalk, I guess. Just punches a guy (laughs) over it and he like topples over the top rail. And he like keeps angrily walking and he goes out in the surf and he just randomly attacks some other dude who's just... (laughs) Running on the beach, suplexes him into the surf. Security, security! This light, this guy attacked two of us. Oh, that's just Tom. That's just what he does. Well, it's the beach, so there's no security. I guess not in the eighties. No, <laughs> you can suplex someone on the beach. You know, other people might get mad at you if he has, yeah. you know, buds. So he comes back, or. I, I don't know we see him come back. We see Ben and Angel show up to Tom's house. Uh, and Angel has an iguana. <laughs> yep. Uh, bright a, orange mohawk. Yep. Uh, a, what is that? Like a Rufio haircut? That's what it reminded me of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a mohawk. <laughs> and Ben is there to apologize for last night. And I don't have no idea why he's the one apologizing. <laughs> yeah. He has no reason to apologize. He didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he's gross, but that's just who he is. If they're friends, that should be kind of just the basic him. Yeah, I thought maybe he was apologizing for being gross about dating the 18 year old. But no, no. not if he's She's bringing there. her around. He, he wants to introduce her. <laughs> this is my girlfriend. Isn't she hot stuff? <laughs> oh, Tom, and, actually, no offense, but you're really boring. Yeah, you seem like a really boring guy, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> And there, there's something about, like, she's going to go to the bathroom and like, while I'm there, would you get a purpose in life? <laughs> right. She just what the hell? What's your problem? Guy who, who, who she only knows as her boyfriend's best friend. Yeah. Who is much more age appropriate to her as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Tom does his aggressive compliance thing where he's like <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll see you about that <laughs> <laughs> and ben is like do you have you know like a little toot he's asking for some coke or marijuana or you know any kind of it's, illegal drugs he might have he has like marijuana what the hell happened to you and, and tom's like <laughs> i'll go look <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> always with his like maniacal barely controlled laughter too yeah there's always like (laughs) he like crazy laughs as often as tommy why so tommy laughs (laughs) yeah he's just always so angry about everything that he has to laugh it off or he's going to explode then and there yeah Uh, spoiler alert laughing it off eventually ends up not being enough no, no, immediately here. This is where he off screen cuts off Angel's head. We don't see that. We just see him 
appear at the top floor <laughs> with the severed head. <laughs> the, the, uh, it's an the obvious mannequin, mannequin head. head. Yeah, it's, it's a, a very obvious mannequin head. Uh, and But, <laughs> but he, it has her hair. Yeah. So he accuses Ben of sleeping with Lisa. And Ben has no clue what he's talking about. Ben's like, what are you talking about, man? No, dude, I've been sleeping with Angel here. Yeah. What? It's like, I've been sleeping with this lady, the, the, the lady I came to introduce you to. What's your problem? What, what's with you, dude? <laughs> and Tom throws the mannequin head and clocks him with it. Like, he, like the, the mannequin head hits Ben in the head and knocks him fucking dead. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> That is a good kill. <laughs> it's like it's like the long range version of knocking two heads together. Yeah, and I mean, if you got hit by a human head, I mean, that's like getting getting hit by a thrown bowling ball. That would kill oh, yeah. you. Um, yeah, there's a reason head butts hurt. Your skull is hard. Yeah, skull's really hard. Yeah. So he buries them near the beach i guess which I, I don't know it was really busy before but i guess he found a quiet spot should and gone while to the everglades well, i don't he, think they're by the everglades no he seems to be more northern florida i guess uh but he he also is making out with the severed head while he's doing it which is pretty wild really really going for it yeah yeah well tongues and everything <laughs> Yeah, you're right. She is pretty hot, Tom. <laughs> it's just funny that he holds up a mannequin. <laughs> He's making out with a mannequin head while digging a hole on the beach. It's like, yeah, I don't remember great. if she was hot or not. So he goes to sleep on the couch like uh, the, the snake of June husband. Mm. He can't touch his wife because th there's this whole thing going on with her. Right, right. <laughs> She's tainted. Ugh. Uh, and it's just this thing she is he's always too tired to even interact with her in any way so she's not getting any sort of satisfaction of any sort in this relationship like he's not there emotionally he's not there physically yeah he can't even hold a conversation with her yeah so you know he comes she comes in he's asleep on the couch he's too tired to do anything so she takes her book and we she you know, walks away with it to write new stories. Yeah. Yeah. This is the this is the shot that you're talking about where it slowly zooms in on his face when she takes the book and leaves the room. Right, because he was pretending to be asleep and they just his eyes start eyes. bulging open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the one where it just keeps zooming and zooming and <laughs> Yeah. The next day an electrician stops by. I know about a porno that starts this way, so therefore Lisa well, must yeah. be cheating. And you know that—that's kind of the way Lisa is going at them. It's like, well, these are pretty basic porno setups. Random dudes coming to the house. I, I've got no other uh, inspiration because I'm not allowed to go out. Yeah. And this is where Tom is just skipping work to be at the bar. Uh -huh. So he is just clearly not uh, doing anything. Like he is completely. Uh, off his uh, rails. He's not going to work. So even the cheap money that he's supposed to be bringing in is not happening. He's certainly not doing that night job. That night job is more killing. No, the, the night job does not exist. Yeah. He doesn't even so, have one. Yeah. He's, he's, he was tired before. 
he he's he was never doing any extra work. It's just he was tired from all his rage. Yeah. So uh, Tom is brooding at the bar about how well, she's a sick woman. They all are. Which, hmm, hmm, mm. this might be the source of uh, his rage. But he decides that he can't kill her because it's not her fault. It's all these men. These gross men. Sick yeah. men like Ben who have to be stopped. <laughs> yeah. But obviously he couldn't communicate with her in any way he couldn't possibly like talk to her about stuff in, in any way shape or form yeah not even a like hey i know it's not your fault could but could you please stop having sex with all these men yeah, or anything any any sort of uh communication at all but he never does or i found your book could you maybe uh yeah what's up with in this? on this uh, I, I found the book. Why don't you explain this? And then she could explain. He's like, oh, okay. I mean, I guess that would make sense. Uh, it's, uh, it's so That's absurd. That's what an adult would do. That's what a, a, a reasonable well, human being would do. But yeah. he, you know, he comes back from the bar, immediately starts looking for the book. He's not looking for anything else. He makes a beeline to just any place that he knows it might be. He's looking all over the house. He finally finds it in one of her drawers. Yep. And, <laughs> and we see this story. one play out in his imagination. Because <laughs> the electrician stopped by. It's just like, there, I, I don't understand why knowing Lisa as he does, not even just the jealousy and that that makes him a bizarre person, but why he doesn't question her saying things like she has herself saying in the script, which obviously is not a thing that Lisa would say. Yeah. Even from what we know of her, like, Mr. Electrician, why don't you fix my wiring? He wouldn't know that Lisa's not saying a thing like that because that's stupid. Well, he would know that if he ever paid attention to her at all. I guess. This is also where he has the very funny, ironic line. Why is she writing all this down? (laughs) I laughed my ass off. Oh, funniest line in the movie by far. That's so good. That feels like a Simpsons line. Like, why would she write this down? And the editing on this moment is so good because it's the shock zoom. It's his hair crazy. The neon lights all over his face. Why is she writing all this down? And then he slams close the book and the music and the neon lights just stop. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So he, of course, calls in sick to work again. He couldn't possibly work. There are evil men to punish. Yeah, man. Like, it's okay, though. It's not like he needs money right now. No, that's not an issue. Lisa's like, I could stay home and, uh, you know, uh, hang with you or whatever. And no, I have important things to do alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like, I know I said you're not allowed to leave the house, but I need you to leave the house right now. Yeah. She has to go do shopping or something. Yeah. Go hang with her friend. Uh. So this is where he builds a machete fan. <laughs> this fucking thing. <laughs> he has never been happier in the movie before the moment where he's installing the machete fan and he's just like so happy, like putting the fan together with all the machetes. It's like he's so but there's so much glee on his face when he's preparing to kill. It's the only thing he enjoys. 
machete fan. The machete <laughs> fan. That's so good. It's great. This, this like I especially at the SOV level, the creativity of the kills and the design of all of it, or it's really next level because you they didn't have the budget to really do some of this stuff, but they do it. They make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like like they they do use judicious use of cutting away from gore shots, but it still works. We still get some fucking serious we gore. Some... Oh man, when, <laughs> the, when he the, finally the kills neighbor. the granny. Oh yeah, Mrs. Palmer gets oh, it. Oh, hers is amazing. <laughs> she she has to be a hand puppet when she comes back as a zombie because <laughs> there's not enough left. So yeah. <sighs> so a uh, second major kill. He lifts the electrician into the blades of the machete fan, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. He calls. It's like you need to send the same electrician back because he didn't do a good enough job last time. Well, this is the one where he talks to the same electrician. The, the that one is where he's talking to the guy who mowed the lawns, boss. Right. So right. the electrician is like, "No, it's not my wiring. It's your wiring." Like, I don't know why it's doing it. I'm not an electrician. <laughs> yeah. So he's basically like. Hey, electrician, how about a haircut? No, how about a haircut, slime ball? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He doesn't curse. <laughs> yeah, he lifts him up into it and just uh, the top of his head gets chopped up. So, this is an important one. He puts the body in a garbage bag and just stashes it in the attic. Ah, uh, yeah. That's going to smell real quick. Well, that's really going to smell because it's Florida. So it's really Ooh. hot. Ooh, that's going to smell real quick. Yeah, I don't know how it's not found out real quick. And uh, also, it's going to come back to bite him in a completely different way. But he's yes. stashing corpses all over the place already. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, so the... then he does the carpet shampooing in his Speedo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like his Speedo's got like something like I don't know, like baby or something it's, written on the ass. <laughs> it's here's the buns. It's <laughs> like too small for him. Yeah, very tiny speedos, and he's shampooing the carpet. And Lisa comes in like, "Why are you shampooing the carpet in this room? We don't even use this room that much." He's like, "It was surprisingly dirty." <laughs> <laughs> well, you could have just used a vacuum. No, I had to shampoo. It. Yeah, <laughs> like Speedo barely covers his package. It's like, geez, okay, and she's like, you know, I can help out financially, so you don't have to do this second job. And she <laughs> says, you don't have to be so possessive of me. Yeah, and it just goes completely over his head again. Mm-hmm. So next problem, the TV is broken. Oh, oh no, we're gonna have to call a TV repairman. And oh. like it's a whole thing where he's like, no, I'll take it in. Like, when are you going to take it in? When yeah. you're on your way at six a.m. to the first job, or when you're coming back at nine p.m. from your second job? I'll take. I'll call a repairman. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but of course he doesn't want her to call a repairman because she's gonna have sex with him. He knows because he he's willing it into existence by completely shutting her out from anything else. Yeah. So the repairman's played by Joel D. Winecoop. He knows karate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good at karate. <laughs> uh, I have another movie. I have a movie directed by Joel D. Winecoop. Oh. Uh, written and directed and starring. 
you know, another Florida SOV thing. It's called Lost Faith. And it's okay. like a Christian revenge movie or something where, you know, a oh. bunch of thugs beat him up and uh, he he loses his wife. He loses his faith. He loses, <sighs> I don't know, a bunch of stuff. And then you know, this is him coming to get it all back. And he's going to do it through <laughs> kickboxing. Oh, cool. Right. Yeah. Right on. So yeah, here he is obviously doing some karate, or he's he's bragging about his karate skills. That's what makes her want to have sex with him so much, obviously. Oh, of course, because... <laughs> his hot I... karate skills. <laughs> yeah, see, as someone who got into martial arts for that exact reason, it doesn't work. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> it doesn't work. Uh, yeah, not not a viable strategy. So... <laughs> We we see Tom. We, this is kind of a fun bit where Tom calls in sick. We don't see him calling in. We see the boss receiving the information. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they're like the boss and the secretary are both like, man, what is up with Tom? I don't get his deal lately. He's not showing up. He got this pay cut. Is he making any money? Yeah, like he barely does anything when he is here. Yeah, he, when he is here, he just like spaces out and does nothing. That's why we cut his pay. You know, we made it seem <laughs> like it's everybody else. Like they don't actually say anything like that. But yeah, but, it's like, yeah. why don't they just fire him? He's doing nothing. <laughs> He's so useless. <laughs> like this is where I, I like I was saying about uh, the Doris Wishman thing with Another Day, Another Man. We have that the the issue where her husband suddenly becomes useless while he's sitting at the piano he just like falls over and is unable to do things anymore i just i just have to lie in bed he no longer can he I... he currently cannot so, yep so tom it's he is actively making himself into that guy by just doing nothing any everywhere he goes he is useless <laughs> in every element of his life <laughs> turns out he's actually also useless at killing he can't even do that right no, he's really bad at it. Uh, it causes real problems for him. I mean, he's good at it briefly, and then it all comes back to bite him. Yeah. So we see Lisa writing in her diary. <laughs> and <laughs> and she receives a guy a call from a guy named Dan. I'm like, uh-oh, <gasps> there's, there's some guy named Dan. That sounds like a guy name. I bet yeah. she's fucking up. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I can't just break away. Tom will suspect. And I guess <gasps> this is the only... Su- only point where we're maybe supposed to suspect that she actually is cheating mm. but not really i mean come yeah, on <laughs> no it, tom will suspect i'm leaving the house I'm, yeah yeah that that would be a problem she's not me, allowed to... he's nuts yeah <laughs> he's really dangerous and just the 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 problem that tom will suspect is is a big issue because tom's suspicion is his whole life it, yeah. it's his reality Tom will suspect is the truest statement ever. Yeah, he will. So next, the next person is the delivery guy who shows up with his white, his white cap or a straw hat, man. I wanted to make fun of his like silly white pink hat, but then it's kind of great. But then Tom calls it a faggot hat. So now I have to defend it. Yeah. And the guy, uh, it's sort of like a personal point of honor for him. I mean, like he puts the hat back on later as a zombie. Like, I like this hat. Screw you. Yeah. (laughs) What's what's your problem, man? And also the uh, Lisa's showering when the delivery guy shows up. So it's very uh, porny kind of introduction where, you know, she's writing the whole thing of 
him coming in there and he's reading the romping romance. He's yeah. like, oh, these stories are so ridiculous. And like, are they? And she comes out of the shower. <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> Tom will believe it. The Toms yeah. of the world will believe it. <laughs> and there's the hippie guy who comes to mow the lawn. Yo, like, I like, I'm here, like, to, like, mow, like, your lawn, man. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I was supposed to be here a couple weeks ago when they called, but the waves were calling, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Tom comes home from his drinking and brooding at the bar and not working <laughs> any of his two jobs. <laughs> yep. And he immediately goes to find the book and rage read in the bathroom. Neon lights all come on. <laughs> then he disappears into the bathroom to do it. I think it's just... he does. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love him bitching about how much work it's going to be killing three guys in one day. It's like three in one day. Does she know how much work this is? <laughs> <laughs> It's like no she doesn't she doesn't realize you're murdering people based on fiction <laughs> and like he's he unaware phrased... my friend communicate <laughs> and like the way he justifies it later is like this is just the natural thing you do when your girl's cheating on you sure <laughs> his his solution to this like now he has to kill three guys so he really can't get any more backlog and it has to all be the same day they, yeah, he can't let tomorrow, it sit a moment longer. No, because tomorrow she might sleep with someone else and he'll have to kill them. Well, no, no, it's not that because he's like, you. I got this night job, so you have to go stay with your stupid mother until I right. sort all of this out. Right, like, right. Sort all of what out? <laughs> Nothing. Like, why does she have to stay with the... <laughs> Well, he's like, well, I'm not going to be around to monitor you, so I don't want to have to worry about your safety. Oh, like, yeah, it's, yes. It's safety. not about her safety, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, she's like, I can help with the bills. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually have something in the works to help with it. Shut up. Like, no, no. It's like, okay, I'll go to my mother's next morning. I, it feels like the exact same conversation that led to her agreeing with him that they will that she will be a stay-at-home wife and not mm. work for the airline anymore it seems like the, can, the exact same situation i can imagine it going down exactly like that yes yeah kind of has to be mm-hmm. so first person he calls up is the tv guy tv guy comes by his <laughs> tom's drinking in the living room's like I'd like a karate demonstration. <laughs> I love this bit because the dude knocks him flat. He, yeah. He, uh, he just, well, first Tom decides to punch him and the guy's like, what the fuck is your deal, man? And he kicks yes. him in the face and he lays him out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Tom has to get up and get him with a bottle. He hits him with the glass that he was drinking from and uh, smashes him in the back of the head. He has to, <laughs> Take a cheap shot. Yep. Because he, he can't beat a karate guy with, like, nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although, in reality, this guy's huge. Like, he is a, Tom is big. Asbestosfeld is just this really rangy guy. He's got huge reach. Yeah, he's, like, really lanky. Yeah, he would be fearsome in a fight, for real. But this karate guy is also big and apparently does actually know karate. He's, oh, he at least knows movie karate. So, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so he, you know, he ties him up in the attic and he chainsaws him. 
So, oh, it, that guy gets, gets chainsawed a bit. Oh, okay. Who's the one who got their intestines? Uh... That's yeah. He he chainsaws his guts and he pulls oh, the intestines okay. out. Yeah. And he he like attaches them to an electrical outlet, so he electrocutes him through his guts <laughs> after he's chainsawed him. It's it's a really complicated one. He has to go extra for the TV repairman because he also kicked him in the face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> extra rage. So next, you got to call the delivery guy for a pickup, and he's laughing maniacally the whole time he's talking to this clerk. <laughs> I need a, <laughs> a pickup. <laughs> you, you guys do home delivery. <laughs> <laughs> Come on down to six 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 Peerless Drive, which is he's their their house is six six six. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know, if I was the delivery dispatcher, I just hang up the phone and be like, "Yeah, it's a prank call. Don't go to like, this place. Uh, let's let's not uh, have this. Uh, th- this seems like dangerous. We we probably shouldn't send a guy. Yeah, but they do. Of course they do. Of course they do. So he also calls the lawn service. To get the the lawn service guy because he missed and, a spot. Yeah, uh, and he uh, he goes to burn the TV guy or bury the TV guy in the backyard. So he's starting to bury them in the backyard. The the yeah. zombies are going to be coming from a lot closer there. Spoilers: mm-hmm. zombies. By the way, I don't know if we've mentioned that. <laughs> we might not have. <laughs> no, I don't think we have yet. But yeah, zombies later. So uh, the lawn guy shows up. And he hits him with a shovel <laughs> and yeah, buries like, him up to his shoulders with with his hands, his fingers poking out of the ground. You were sleeping with my wife. No, man, I swear. I was just looking. Yeah, man, I just looked. <laughs> Certainly didn't do anything. Are you crazy? And he is crazy. And he is crazy. And of course, in Tom world, looking would be enough to justify the lawnmower killing anyway. Oh, sure. He he mows over the guy's hands and just like fingers fly everywhere. Pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like, uh, yeah, we got like a first person view of him getting mowed. Yeah. Uh, and then he sets up a ladder and he climbs up on the roof and waits for the delivery guy. And <laughs> you screw my wife. I screwdriver your head. <laughs> he just drops the screwdriver and it sticks it out of his head. Which probably would happen because he's dropping it from the roof and it lands mm-hmm. it right square and the guy, it pokes into his skull and he drops and he stuffs him in a barrel and burns him. And the neighbor's watching all of this. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> the neighbor's like watching through a knot hole in the fence, which makes her subsequent decision of plan of action really, really strange. Yeah, see... I can understand her investigating if she just heard a lot of screaming and laughing and well, saw smoke. There, there's a lot of problems with it because she goes to confront him and a part of it's like she knows he's killing people. Yeah. And she wants him to do a killing for her. But the way she approaches it is very bizarre because it there's points in which it seems like she's unaware of all the killing he's doing. Yeah. No, she's obviously where and that's what she's there for yeah it's like she's like trying to beat around the bush to get to her point but he's not (laughs) following her to the point but then she gets mad at him about the killing because she doesn't seem to understand what it's about like first she's like what are you doing here and it's like well i'm burning some old clothes and she gets angry at him like well people need clothes what are you doing burning perfectly good (laughs) clothes starving children in africa without clothes 
Right. And also it's against the HOA rules and it's all of that shit. But it's like, you know, he's burning a person. You just saw him murder him. Yeah. You you saw the murder take place. You saw him stuff the body in there. You know, it's a body. What are you talking about? Why, you heard him you... showed his one liner. Yeah. It's like, why are you uh, suddenly ranting about burning perfectly good clothes? You know that's not what it is. Oh, she wants to keep her cars close to her chest. She doesn't want him to know that she knows until 30 seconds later. Yeah, I don't get it. And then one of my favorite Tom lines is, are you just here to borrow something? I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what is the problem? What what is this about this time? I don't I don't even get it right now. Yep. And she's like, "Well, what's been all this screaming today? And all these service vehicles that are parked around here with no one in them?" <laughs> oh yeah, because the cars would, of course, just still be there parked. Yeah. He's like, "I don't want any devil cult bullshit in my my neighborhood." <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> and this is where she drops in and is like okay i want you to kill herman i'm sick of him i want to get the insurance money <laughs> and he's not interested in killing herman no herman hasn't slept with lisa although no. he is he is into killing the neighbor because he fucking hates her well <laughs> he hates her so yeah. much she's such and a busy body oh my god this is the most brutal kill in the movie by far it's crazy how good it looks for being micro budget stuff yeah i can't believe that they that they pulled this off all right so he yeah the claw hammer he's he's got a claw hammer because he's got you know his tool belt out for fixing the roof yeah, <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> and he yeah he gets her under the chin with the reverse of the claw hammer and he just pulls her fucking jaw off Yep, just rips her, like, jaw and tongue out of her face. Just her face is completely destroyed, and then he's just, like, going at her on the ground. Like, he's really mad at her, specifically. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna take your face off! He fucking took her face off. (laughs) So finally we get the reveal. Lisa is at the romping romance office, uh, where Mr. Dan O'Neill is the editor who she's gone to speak to. Although first she has to talk to Jerkins, the secretary. Jerkins. <laughs> now, now Jerkins is in real life, or is a character in one of Lisa's Lisa's books. Like he behaves like it. Oh, completely. And he—that's sort of the gag—is that he's the only one who thinks this shit is real, which is absurd because he works at the place. <laughs> he sees stories like this all the time. You'd think. Yeah, and he's like hitting on her, and he's like, "Oh, you, to have an imagine la- imagination like that, you must be really into it." And like, he's trying to get with her. Uh, he's played by Al Nicolosi, the producer, the guy whose house this was shot at. Okay, cool. So yeah, yeah I... she she obviously rejects him. He's like, "No, I'm faithful to my husband. Get out of my face, dude! You're definitely not faithful if you can write stuff like this. No, I'm just writing." He's like, "No, I'm." I'm a writer. I have a journalism degree. So I'm trying to make some extra money. And uh, he gets pushy enough that he gets fired. The boss comes out, Dan O'Neill, and he's like, you're fired. Get out of here, man. <laughs> and he's he like tries to explain. He's like, no, man, I can explain. I'm like, I he's really like, no, want to hear the <laughs> like, explanation he tries. 
we we don't need this kind of shit in our office. We run a real business. Get the fuck out of here. You don't understand. <laughs> She's really hot, and I really wanted to get some, though. So we cut back to home. Tom yeah. brandishing a machete, screaming drunkenly at Lisa's <laughs> painting over the fireplace, which is sort of an abstract nude. Yeah. Uh, and this is where things go fucking insane where uh everything goes sideways because the painting starts bleeding and the zombies start coming to life yeah all the zombies come back it starts with ben and angel it's like well ben and angel's head yeah it's not fair (laughs) only her head got reanimated not the rest of her what am i i don't know why the rest of her wasn't Yeah, he's so mad about it. And it's yeah. just the blinking head. Uh the 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 uh mannequin head. And he's like, we can't rest until you die. And he throws the head and it bites Tom in the dick. <laughs> and and of course Tom, you know, he f- wrestles with it and then he like slam dunks it into the trash. <laughs> That's the last we see of Angel. Yep, that's it. It doesn't get properly killed, just goes in the trash. Yeah, so he goes, he tries to attack Ben, and he, like, rips one of his arms off, but he (laughs) is ultimately overpowered, because Ben is, uh, he can't be hurt anymore, he's a zombie. He's a zombie, yeah. Ben, like, takes the hand back and beats him with the arm, like, his (laughs) own arm that's been torn off. Yeah, but tearing off my arm may kill you real awkward, you know that? I feel worst for the delivery guy, because he, like, comes out of the burn bear and is like, ah, I'm so hot, this sucks. Because even when he was talking to Lisa earlier and looking at the romping romance magazine, he was complaining about how hot it was. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I feel that. He's in Florida, it's too hot all the time, he's really sick of it, and then... This guy burns him to death, and he comes back as a zombie, and he's just hot all the time. Yeah, and he's still got the screwdriver in his head. Right, he puts the hat over it, because there's a burn hole in the top of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Lisa comes home after the first couple zombies rise. <laughs> yep. And she is, uh, like, she is attacked by a uh, delivery guy zombie. Because now he's like pissed off about everything that's happened. All of the zombies are mad at her too. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, she wrote this stuff that got Tom mad. Honestly, <laughs> she maybe should have realized that Tom would get this crazy about it, but she did keep trying to bring it up, to be fair. She... She's constantly trying to bring it up as an option, but she's just assuming he hasn't read them. Because yeah, why would yeah. she he be reading her diary? What an asshole thing to do, but she maybe could have expected that too. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it's an asshole thing to do, which is maybe why she should have expected it. Yeah. Am I the asshole? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure. So uh all of the other zombies rise. Everyone comes up out of the ground. Lisa's screaming for help, and zombies are rising all over the place. And yeah. Uh, the the neighbor zombie, which is just a hand puppet now. <laughs> she doesn't have a lot of face left. Yeah, she's just kind of this uh, blood puppet. Yeah, Tom <laughs> has to fight her off. And then you know, he runs downstairs. He pulls the head off of uh, the uh, the delivery guy zombie. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the guy eventually like uses the screwdriver to screw his head back on. Yeah, he puts it back on. 
And he's like, that's really annoying, man. <laughs> Wish you'd <laughs> knock this shit off. <laughs> so Lee's and Tom hide out in the attic because that's the only zombie that we haven't seen rise. And we've maybe forgotten about him by this point. And they I had, had forgotten certain... about him. Yeah, I, I had, it, it had slipped my mind by the time I did, like even on a second watch. It's like, oh, yeah, there's still the zombie in the attic with them. Yeah. So Tom finally starts to talk to Lee's about what's going on. Finally, after all of this. <laughs> I had no choice. Yeah, he's lecturing how it's her fault. And she's like, you don't understand. The story, they're stories. I was selling them. I sold them just now. That's what I was coming home to tell you. I got 1500 bucks in 1987 money for these stories, man. Yeah, you killed all of these innocent people. You are the bad guy here. You are the asshole. And he's like, oh, I'm not so sure about that yet. <laughs> well, you you could have told me they were stories, and then I wouldn't have had to kill these people. Which, no, obviously not. He, she never had a chance to bring it up. No, she tried. She, she tried. She did. So in the living room, meanwhile, all the zombies are hanging out, and it's like, well, we all want revenge, and I don't know how we're all going to get revenge on this guy. So, I mean, I feel I have the most right, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm his best friend, and he killed me anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I had the most brutal death, right? And the, 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 everyone has like their their various arguments for it. I I love that the no face granny starts going and everything. Like, Shut up! <laughs> Eventually, the consensus is uh, they. What are they going to do? Make him kill Lisa or make Lisa kill herself? They they feel that they should make him kill Lisa and have to live with the guilt. And, right. and that that feels like it should be reasonably satisfying for everybody. But then it turns out that the uh, electrician, his body is still in there. And he's like, no, fuck all you. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to get my revenge because this is just total bullshit. And I'm in here with him and you're out there. So screw you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I guess that's where Ben finally argues that the uh, for the the Tom should be forced to kill Lisa thing because yeah. previously, like they're all out there arguing and they're gonna burst in and get him mm-hmm. until uh, the other guy has the upper hand. It's like okay, well, we'll do this Lisa thing instead. Yeah, and then uh, everyone agrees to that. And Tom says he agrees to that. And obviously he's like, okay, we'll make a break for it as soon as we get out. And then they're surrounded. <laughs> so they can't make a break for it. It's like, okay, well, we'll think of something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Right. It's like, if you kill Lisa, we'll let you go. Yeah. And, uh, he decides to grab the hacksaw and cut his own head off. <laughs> <laughs> or tries to like he starts to like saw yeah, through his throat <laughs> and the ghouls like they're all pretty sad and like yeah i guess that'll do he sawed his own head off that's pretty cool yeah yeah <laughs> fine well, no, well they all go back to their graves <laughs> uh <laughs> and then lisa walks out and tom pops out of the porch and grabs her <laughs> <laughs> yeah. tom's zombie because he's still like, mad yeah. he died mad <laughs> like it's like a jason Voorhees thing yeah from, exactly uh, yeah, yeah. It's a classic it's the carrie thing you know carrie popping out of the grave oh yeah totally yeah and that's it although then in the well, end credits we have the fucking it. rap song in the credits which is so good <laughs> and you have to see the movie for the end credits rap song like it, it yeah. is 
absolutely essential. <laughs> it's literally this guy we've been watching for an hour and a bit just starts rapping about all the stuff that's happened to him. Like, <laughs> yeah, just describing each of the kills and how all the zombies come back and everything about it. It's so funny. It's, it's so good. It's Every great. movie needs an end credits rap like this. Uh, <laughs> every slasher movie yeah yeah yo my name is michael m I'm a, and i'm here to say jamie lee curtis is gonna have a bad day yeah sure yeah. uh I, I have a trouble uh imagining michael rapping but freddie sure could freddie would rap yeah. has freddie rapped i feel like that's something he Freddy's would rapped. yeah freddie's yeah. rapped I've, I've seen freddie rap <laughs> I think it might even be in a couple movies. He doesn't do a rap song about the entire plot of the film at any time. I want that. Anyway, yeah, that's Killing Spree. I, I didn't mention the beginning. This is from the Terror Vision disc, which is totally loaded. There's so much extra stuff in there. <laughs> One thing I love about this is like the kills are so bloody. But in the next scene, his one T-shirt that he owns is always perfectly pristine right yeah we, we never <laughs> see him get filthy other than that i i guess he has them in the cleaner when he's wearing the speedo and shampooing the park <laughs> shampooing the carpet he, he must have he must have like a whole closet of just the same blue shirt yeah i mean uh, maybe it's his work uniform right his, oh uh, well then he would yeah his his maintenance outfit right that makes sense Although he never fucking goes to work. What a useless person. <laughs> he goes to work on payday. Oh yeah, he goes to work on payday to not work and to ask the guy about why he's called Stew Master and then he doesn't do anything and he comes home and then he can't be with his wife because he's too tired from the work he didn't do and being angry about his life. It's 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 a fascinating movie just for the psychology of Tom because it's absurd, but it's it's a thing where like these these people do exist in reality yeah. and they, they exist every day. And there is these things are constantly still happening to this day. Like how many mass shootings have happened? In oh, my the fuck. US in this just this year alone. In the just past month? I literally no? don't know. I don't know the number. It's, and it's, it's going to make me unhappy. It's hundreds. And yeah. so there are Toms out there all the time who are just this walking red flag. They are this. A person who is contributing absolutely nothing to society and are just moving towards the drain. And oh my yeah, God. It's, it's interesting to watch. And imagine if like Tom had the internet and he found other Toms and yeah. they got together and they elected a president, Tom. <laughs> the 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 Tom network. Yeah. It's uh. it's sort of uh Tomogram. Uh he <laughs> Yeah, he, he it's it's a very interesting character looking back at this from 87 and it feels strangely modern in a lot of ways. It it's, does. It's more modern than a lot of 80s slashers which tend to be more regressive. You have your final girl and it's it's kind of just uh, them playing with a bunch of clichés. This yeah, it, it kind of feels a little more like it's sticking the knife in. It it it, it has some social commentary to it. Yeah, this this feels like it would have came out in like the late 90s maybe yeah although it's better than most of that late 90s well, stuff <laughs> it is it's like so i compared this to the room this is a thousand times more coherent than the room oh yeah this is sort of what the room like the room i like tommy Wiseau has 
retroactively claimed the room as black comedy because yeah, but... people laughed at it. This is a movie that was black comedy. This is a movie that had the foresight that has the self-reflection to be intentionally a black comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it pulls it off. This movie is That's great. hilarious. It's very funny. <laughs> like there are parts that like I the 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 lines that I mentioned with Tom, like why is she writing all this down? <laughs> that made oh, me laugh my ass off. That's so I funny. I had to pause the movie there. I yeah. was laughing so hard. And that long, long zoom into his face is so funny. <laughs> and him just angrily complying uh, every time. It just made me made me laugh every time, especially when he's on the phone with the the UPS lady. <laughs> oh, I need a, I need a package picked up. You guys do home pickup. <laughs> like, okay, man. Maybe sure you don't you said need the this. same guy as last time. <laughs> I'll be waiting. <laughs> yeah, you can have a laxative. <laughs> I'll go get it. It's it's amazing, and of course, all the angry react scenes with the neon light—they're they're so yeah. good. <laughs> his his vision of Lisa, which is nothing like the Lisa that we see. No, he has absolutely no idea who she is. Yeah, uh, he is the guy that this stuff is written for, but then he's not into it. Like the 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 romping romance magazine, he thinks it's ridiculous, but yeah, he doesn't he thinks... realize how ridiculous it is when he's reading it and believing in his reality because it's his wife. <laughs> yep, because that's his his mental issue. Uh, yeah, but yeah, great time. A really interesting movie. Uh, one that has aged surprisingly well. I, I hope someday the original negatives are found because like they're they're currently lost, but it's not like they're known to be destroyed or anything. So yeah, they this, might just turn up. Yeah, I mean, this movie would actually look pretty good in a like a Blu-ray quality. Oh yeah, I mean, like it's still sixteen millimeters, so there's a limit to what you can do, but it sure it, it doesn't need to look as sov as it does uh it's just right now that's all the materials that exist i mean Mm -hmm. as as far as that goes this is a great release you know there's so much stuff on it uh there's like a a full 25 recent 25 minute recent interview with asbestos felt you've got a new commentary by tim ritter you've got an old one from the 90s with ritter and asbestos felt and wine cool yeah all right tons of stuff yeah, um, th- this is a lot of, a lot of fun. I I thought it was like a so bad it's good movie, but it might just might just be a good movie. I think it's kind of just a good movie. It, it yeah. uh, really it's it's very self aware. Like mm-hmm. it, it it's aware of its limitations and it doesn't exceed them, but it it has an ambition and reach beyond uh, the the budget that it has. Like the the yeah. gore effects are surprisingly good. They they really are budget. <laughs> Yeah. So, any last thoughts on Killing Spree before we move on to part two? Oh, you want last thoughts, do you? Well, <laughs> I have a last thought. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I should have written down some of the lyrics for the rap song. So I oh, God. I wish I had. <laughs> uh it's you know stuff about pulling faces off with claw hammers but it's still <laughs> not as ridiculous as the the deep blue sea song where uh uh ll cool j's rapping about being a shark and eating your whole family <laughs> <laughs> anyway 
Uh, on to part two. And we're back for our second part this week, where we're talking about Virana, uh, our first uh, Bollywood feature that we've uh, covered. Uh, and I think that you've seen. Uh, although, um, Unless kinda. we count... Yeah, yeah some dog millionaires exactly what yeah. i was going to mention yeah 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 uh, not really but it's it's it, it, i There's guess inspiration it, in it oh it, it absolutely is heavily inspired by it and i would say it kind of is almost a masala which this is uh masala being uh the the sort of bollywood term for a blending of styles so this is you know a horror romance musical comedy uh, family comedy, story action film i mean it's really long and it goes a lot of places and things happen but they don't really have an effect on things it's more just you know people moving around on a chessboard uh this is directed by the ramsey brothers uh Shyam and tulsi ramsey uh the ramsey house of horror they uh they, I, I guess kind of pioneers of doing uh bollywood horror you know it's it's a weird blend but it, the music is oh oh my god i mean it obviously forefronted thing right the music in this holy god is it great mm-hmm. i wish uh, a better version of this existed so like we could get the we could get the soundtrack off of it oh yeah the the sound it, like the the music is so amazing all of just the incidental horror synth uh but with the bollywood flavor to it it's so good just it's it's distracting from everything else like it's the main takeaway i had from the movie um i felt that way at first because like the the music was really strong at the beginning yes and i was like how is this taking how is this distracting from everything else because everything else is still a lot oh yeah and it's this is such a fun ride uh that that is sort of the whole thing is that you know, there's all this stuff that's happening. It doesn't matter a whole lot, but it's much like the Andy Sedaris movies where it's just all of this forward momentum and you're never bored. You're always having fun watching whatever crazy things happening. But then you finally get to the end. It's like, how did any of that connect one thing to another? I'm like, I don't even know how any of that fit together. Who was, what, was she a vampire? Was she a witch? Was she a demon? There was Mahakal in there. He's, he's the Freddy. Uh, I, I have that one too. That's the, uh, th- that's one I've had for a while. I have a T-shirt of Mahakal as well. Ma- oh, so, okay. So that's like a real thing. It's it's the Bollywood Nightmare on Elm Street knockoff. Oh, yeah. so so it's like if if so the bad guy's plan is like if there was a cult around here dedicated to Freddy Krueger, basically. And I mean, I guess <laughs> in in the context of. Uh, Mahakal, I mean, he's not exactly Freddy Krueger, but it's sort of the same concept of Freddy Krueger that we have in New Nightmare, where he's this ancient dream demon. Oh, okay. So, 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 yeah, it's Freddy sort of Powers, not it's, Freddy Krueger. But it's, it's cool because it's same universe. This is a shared universe with Mahakal, I guess, because I think that's, that's cool. also a Ramsey Brothers film, maybe. Oh, interesting. So, I did want to shout out the composers on this. Uh, Bapi Lahiri and Anil Oran, or uh, excuse me, Anil Arun, because uh, you know, great music, uh, so, such good music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I found that maybe in the second half the music wasn't didn't catch me quite as much as it did at, like the intro. Everything about 
the first act, the music was yes. just I agree. center. It really, really blazes. It, it's it's like pulling you in so that you're here for the story. Uh, I, I, I there, there's a very specific rhythm to the Bollywood film because they're very long. Uh, I've heard people talk about them as air conditioning films. It's really hot in India. <laughs> <laughs> no, a good cheap way to get out of uh, the heat into air conditioning is to see just this really long movie. You got <laughs> intermissions, you got smoke breaks, they're built in, people just pause the film for it. <laughs> yeah yeah and, this one has an yeah. intermission which yeah i've gone on record saying everything over oh, yeah. two hours needs an intermission and i don't disagree you know an intermission is good to have in a really long movie mm-hmm. uh yeah this is i think on the shorter end of bollywood film length it's only yeah. only two hours and 20 minutes yeah it's it's not super long for bollywood <laughs> It's it's long for a horror movie though, but that's okay. We've got we get to shove in all the uh, romantic comedy bits and the Looney yeah. Tunes bits. Yeah, it's only like tangentially a horror movie. There's not a great deal of horror, but it kind of does gradually build in more of the horror as it goes. Uh, that that's sort of one of the things that it does well is it it employs its horror pretty well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's pretty effective at the end. Yes. Yes, I agree. Um, <laughs> uh, another thing that this movie does well that I don't see a lot of movies doing really well is sexy scenes without sex. Right. Heavy censorship in India. You can't really have nudity. So it's, it's but you can make pretty it strange. real steamy. Well, you can make everyone smoldering with intensity. There's that one mm. guy. Man, that dude smolders. I'm not even sure which one you're talking about because there's a few. The, the one you, the first person you sent me a picture of. Oh, uh, Baba dude, the priest. Baba. Yeah, Baba. Has, yeah, he's got some energy. <laughs> uh, Jafar or Rasputin. He's got kind of like an actual sexy Rasputin energy rather than uh, what did I say? A haunted streetlight energy, <laughs> which is much more the the reality of uh, our, our our man Rasputin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he's what Rasputin kind of wishes he could be. Right. Uh, so Baba uh, Rajesh, uh, Rajesh Vivek, uh, who is, I mean, all of these people have gigantic careers. Oh, for sure. Um, he was in Gandhi. Oh, no kidding. Hmm. The, the 1982, the big uh, Oscar winning yeah. biopic. He's in that. Yeah, I know. I I saw that when I was in uh, when I was in high school. I saw that. That was. I've yeah, seen it a couple times. It's perfectly decent. Yeah, um, Ben Kingsley as Gandhi is a choice, but he pulls it off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's probably not something you do these days, but I don't think you would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, he he won the Oscar, so good on him <laughs> yeah. for that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So the first act pretty much is framed it's first act is like the introduction this is the like 10 years ago this is why the witch wants revenge and everything yeah i don't even know how far back i kind of got the impression that it's supposed to maybe be like a century ago but i have no idea oh um no i don't think it's that far uh because we begin actually with the narrator and we only have our narrator at the beginning and the end and so much that I actually forgot that there was one. 
introducing all of our bad guys and our bad guy lair, which I freaking love. Good lair. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess they probably couldn't have or didn't want to have any like specific religious symbols or satanic symbols. So they've just got all I these. I think it's also a, a censorship situation where you can't. I believe that. You're, you're uh, just not allowed to do that stuff. I don't know that, but I suspect that that's the case. Yeah. Uh, yes. You know, fairly strict uh, uh, guidelines within uh, the the approach there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially probably around in the eighties too. Oh yeah. But yeah. So it, it ends up looking like uh, somebody's like a hardcore gamers D and D lair with like, uh, like Ouija board tables and pirate flags on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's yeah, got it's... like a big skull and crossbones on his robe. Yeah, it's not adhering to. I mean, it's it's almost Kali from uh, Temple of Doom. There, there's really no. Uh, it, it's it's not meant to represent anything real. It's more no. just this is a bad guy. This is a, and like as well. This opens with a disclaimer about how uh, oh, listen, right. no witches and demons and vampires. All of this is fiction, and you know uh, this is sort of stuff that needs to be relegated to the past and folk tales. And don't believe in this stuff. Don't persecute people because because of magic yeah you don't believe in this we don't believe in this this has no place in the modern world it's entertainment yeah it's like please we're here to have fun okay (laughs) (laughs) no know that going in they even have the characters like basically look at the camera and say we don't believe in witches at the beginning (laughs) yeah like chill chill don't don't protest this i i know horror is is kind of bold here yeah like not a not a huge history of horror cinema in india yeah no i actually not familiar with any at all to be honest and i mean definitely not of the kind of ridiculous popcorn variety that uh proliferated in america in the 80s uh, mm-hmm. with you know the slasher explosion <laughs> you got nothing like that in india this has some slasher elements. To oh, sure, it. yeah, yeah, and I—I I mean, that's sort of the thing is that there are elements of that stuff in these, uh, and you know, it's kind of revolutionary doing that. Uh, the the Ramsey brothers kind of trying to do uh, popcorn horror Bollywood mm-hmm. style. Uh, I love the big uh, silver Mahakal statue that looks like uh, something that Rita Repulsa would turn into a monster. It's pretty cool. I was hoping they'd have to fight it at the end, but they don't. Yeah, effects, you know? That seems like it would be expensive. This is before uh, India had, and Bollywood had, uh, CG effects, which they really know how to use these days. Yeah, I was going to say, the the effects level here seems a lot lower than what I had heard Bollywood was, but it's yeah, CG wasn't around. No. Uh, it's it's pretty decent, you know. It's it's good creature effects. It's not exactly at a Tom Savini level, but you know, Tom Savini also wasn't doing two and a half hours of this stuff yeah. all the time. Yeah, I mean, it it gets the job done. It works. Yeah. No, it, like, it looks gross. That that's really all yes. you need. The creature is sufficiently gross. <laughs> yeah, the the witch is yucky looking. Mm-hmm. Uh. Who, who we're going to get introduced here, beholds Nikita, who uses her lustful, or whose lustful body holds evil magic. Of course. 
And behold, Satan's slave, our priest Baba, who is smoldering. <laughs> I think he's he's the guy kind of behind the whole thing. Yeah, like like you said, he's sort of the Rasputin. Yeah. Uh, we have, <laughs> we've got like all the, he's got like this army of generic cultists who are just dudes with black bedsheets. It's and it's the Kali tribe from Temple of Doom. It's the same thing. That's exactly thing. what it reminded me of. I was like, I feel like one of these guys should be like swinging around a sword and then Indiana Jones should shoot him. Yeah, it's, it's totally that. <laughs> like I was getting huge Indiana Jones vibes from these guys and. I've only ever seen the one movie once. Uh, Temple of Doom, you mean? Uh, oh, you mean Raiders? You've never even seen Temple? I don't know which one I've seen. I saw the one you have he seen the guy singing. Oh, yeah, that's Raiders. Oh, no, I saw Crystal Skull, but I... Yeah, I know you forget. saw Crystal Skull, because I think I was there. But I, I forget sticks. that it exists. It's boring. It's yeah. so uninteresting. It, it, well, it's weird, but it's also just weird in a way that's like, I don't know that indiana jones needs to be in this movie but anyway. <laughs> i think harrison four degrees with you true true <laughs> i kind of wonder if like i i have no i mean certainly watching it in the 90s i thought about temple of doom is weird politically but uh, mm. i i do wonder if it was successful in india if it like was popular as an export because it does kind of feel like they're riffing on it and this is certainly post temple of doom it it really does feel like that. But yeah, Temple of Doom, it has some weird stuff in it. And it's got <laughs> a lot of stuff that's said in Indian. I don't know. Uh, it's it's yeah. not the best. It, it's probably my least favorite of the original three. I mean, it's still... <laughs> I'm not going to say it's worse than uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And is, is there that new one out? Is that out now? I, I have no trailer. idea. There's, a, there's a, another one coming soon. Jeez, <laughs> still making them, huh? I mean, they're they're trying again. It's, I mean, that's a hot property. I I guess. <laughs> and so he's got like, yeah, he's got this army of those black bedsheet cultists, but he's yeah. also got these four conehead like ants or something sitting at the table. They don't do anything except explode at the end and otherwise look gross and creepy throughout yeah i don't really get what they are i i have to figure that they have something to do with some sort of uh folktale occult thing that is totally alien to our understanding like it's something that is within uh indian religions or or that, that goes into uh something there that uh it has no real analog to us because yeah i don't know i don't get it <laughs> yeah no they kind of uh, they're they're easter island head-esque kind of yeah mm -hmm. yeah although uh, they're I, full body and you know they're just hanging around at a table they don't do anything they don't do anything they don't talk they they're don't like demons or something i don't know yeah, i think so they explode and it's pretty cool yeah so so yeah these are the guys and they've got their evil plan which is just to sow mayhem they're saturday morning cartoon villains i kind of love it well, yeah, this has a real Scooby-Doo energy. Everything about it has a, a total Scooby-Doo energy to the the level of the horror and mayhem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like people are getting killed, but it's usually funny. 
Yeah, and you kind of are tired of those people by that time because you've been watching them quite a while usually, and they're just doing nothing. Yeah, I don't think. Well, there's there's a couple of people. Like I think one of the mothers gets killed in the first act who doesn't really deserve to die, but mostly it's just sleazy guys who die. Yeah, I, the, the, that's sort of the fun thing is the it's very populist. Uh, it, it's more explicitly populist even than the slasher wave in America in the 80s, where it's just, we're really out here to please the audience. And it's just <laughs> meant to be a fun ride, and we're going to laugh at all of these people dying because uh, the, those are sleazy people. We, we're going out of our way to show that they're people who kind of suck, and we, we want to so, show this as behavior that is not condoned. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely that. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a very direct morality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he ends the thing saying, well, yeah. there is a greater power than your demon. God. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, but we're a long way from there. So we uh, we meet our main family, uh, the Thakur, or Thakur, which is kind of like, I guess, their version of like a minor lord. I. I looked it up, but I didn't go into like a deep dive on it. Mm. Uh, he's the head of the household. He's got his brother, Samir, who, despite only being in the movie for 10 minutes at the beginning and 10 minutes at the end, is the the hero of the film, undeniably. Yeah, I can't even picture him because he's not in a lot of it. But No. <laughs> he... And like I can picture several characters. There, there's a handful of characters who make a real impression on me. Obviously, there's the brother who's the director, wannabe director. Yeah. He's there a lot. There's yeah. the crazy guy with the, the monkey's hat who mm-hmm. uh, is uh, hates the cat. Cat hates him. They hate each other. Yeah, yeah. They have like a whole Tom and Jerry thing going. Yeah. And there's uh, the kid who's playing an old man who who runs the hotel. (laughs) I wanted him to be in more of the movie. He's in one scene. He's great. (laughs) It's a great scene. Yeah, but it it made an impression. Uh, And, uh, you know, obviously the the main lady. But yeah, most of these people. And and of course, Baba. Baba, yeah. Yeah. A a lot of them don't make an impression because they're just, it's, Everybody has their own storyline and everybody's doing their own thing, but most of them don't have any overlap with any purpose to the story. No, no. They, they like the feud with the cats that the one guy does. Pointless. Got nothing to do with anything. Annoying. Um, My least favorite thing in the movie. Yeah. Uh, the, the romantic comedy uh, to the, the niece and the guy getting together. Snore. Nothing to do with anything. Yeah, but you gotta have it. That's that's yeah. more just like mandated. You gotta have the romance in there, and then you have the songs about how they're having the romance together. Yeah, uh, director does show up and save them once. But yeah, yeah. I still hate him. I don't like. Oh that. yeah, he he's sucks. annoying. <laughs> he is not fun to watch. Actually, as I was going through this, I was thinking like, hey. Sure, there's characters I don't like, but I just got to wait for five minutes and we'll be on to another character. And then I realized I don't like most of these guys. No, I really don't like most of them. And, and that's sort of the point. They're, they're, it, it is the late era slasher model of let's make a bunch of these people who are sort of unpleasant. So we're we're preparing the audience for them to be killed. And we kind of want them all to be potentially killed. So let's make them all sort of shady. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you have your one guy who isn't shady, so you know he's going to make it through. 
Yeah, so you Although, just don't show him. He doesn't need yeah. to be in the movie. He goes on a quest. He's got to go on the witch hunt. He's going to go take care of those witches because, well, he's going to go on a witch hunt even though he's also previously saying, witches, that's, that's bullshit. That's superstition. You guys are crazy. That's that's old school nonsense. Anyway, I'm going to go on a witch hunt. Peace. See you. See you at the end yeah. of the movie. Yeah, basically, I am going to – I don't believe in witches but something's killing things. So. It's like, but I'll show you. I'll show you. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, if, if I'm not back uh, by midnight on the fifth day of the month, uh, consider me a word you lack and do not let me <laughs> pass through the, you know, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And the villagers warn him. It's like, well, Hey, the witch is going to get you with her powers of seduction. And he's like, I am absolutely not worried about that. Which there's lots of different ways to read it. (laughs) Is it that he he cannot be corrupted? I mean, I guess that's what we're supposed to take because he is the hero and is incorruptible. He is the hero. Um, The his brother, the Thacker, does give him that holy symbol. Right, the Ohm. Yeah, but I just I actually forgot that the Ohm existed and assumed that he didn't get corrupted because he out seduced the seducer. Right. Well, it's also Which like it, it's, it's another wordalak thing where it, he, he's supposed to have the one thing that protects him. But mm-hmm. it's like, well, you had it, but did it work? I don't know. Yeah, well, turns out not, yeah, yes. not quite. Yeah, yeah. well, kind of. Kind of, sort of. But, so, you know, there's just a lot of film time to run. Yeah. So <laughs> I love his uh, his witch hunt. He just drives his car into the woods, drives up to the witch <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, wow, this was really a lot easier than I thought it would be. I just need to find the right lady. Yep. And of course, she does her whole thing where she's like, oh, I'm seducing you and all that. And he's like, hey, listen, you're a killer. I'm a killer. We're here to kill each other. Get into, Take your clothes off and get into the bathtub with me. Let's fuck. Right, he he seduces her back because he's he's smoldering. He's he's like smoldering hot. Yeah, uh, the, <laughs> he, he's got the power to him. do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, okay, yeah, all right, and uh, she's got like this necklace that looks like it looks like a Batman symbol. Oh, I love it the the huge bat necklace. Uh, I I would wear this. You know, as a goth teen, I would have <laughs> oh, so sure. worn this. Oh, absolutely. And as they're having sex in the hot tub, he rips it off and she starts like melting, melting. Oh, what a world kind of thing. Yeah, she she freaking well, she turns in her her, her it, true form, her true form. Yeah, it it, uh, it, it was like uh, it, it was a talisman that obscured her true form. And I guess specifically for I mean, it's bat shaped. So she's supposed to be a vampire, but she's also a witch. The the line between vampire, witch, and demon is never clear. Yeah, she's never called a vampire, but she does have some vampire powers, but not others. Like, I guess um, that's in line with the opening crawl of all of this stuff is bullshit, so we're just mm. here to have fun. It's just like, well, our, our witch or our vampire or whatever it is, you get to decide what it is because we don't care. It's just this is a being who has the powers that we need it to have at yeah. any point in the movie. It's the it's Superman thing. Yeah, it's a monster. It's bad. Who cares what it is? Yeah, it's it's a monster. It, it's going to do the stuff that we need it to do to have fun with the movie. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, she's she's freaking out because she loses her talisman, and we literally smash cut to her being hanged in the town square. Yeah, and, uh, and Baba steals the body. Yep, Baba steals the body. Him and his uh, cultists, but everybody thinks that everything's fine because I guess they just were planning to leave the body there. I don't know. They nobody suspects anything's wrong. It's kind of a basic. It's kind of the basic uh, Dracula story, the original Bram Stoker's Dracula and the one that you get in uh, the Francis Ford Coppola one and so forth, where uh, they've decided they're going to get the daughter of this prominent person and they've, uh, they're going to seduce her. Th- this one, there's this whole thing where uh, if you ever are seduced by the vampire, you really like, you, it's it's got a real seductive power that sticks with you, right? Mm-hmm. And th- that's that's you know a whole part of the the classic Bram Stoker one, and they're uh, worried that they're gonna take Thakur's daughter, and that's yeah. their plan is to take Thakur's daughter. Yeah, that that's the plan. Um, so what Thakur does in well first, first they do take Thakur's daughter uh, Jasmine because Samir mm. is driving her to school. I guess she goes to school in another town or something she's she and, goes to boarding school uh, oh he, okay she's the niece gotcha yeah and uh yeah so he's driving her runs into car trouble so he gets out of the car and that's when baba shows up and casts his spell on her and i gotta say young jasmine has an incredible creepy stare it's pretty good yep Cultists descend on samir and we are meant to assume that he's dead but he's obviously not no, he's going to come back. Obviously, we're not going to show Gore, but we'd know if the hero died. So he's just backburnered. Yeah. Yeah. He He's we don't see him get killed, but we're told that he's killed off screen. So he's definitely not dead. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, so Baba takes her and brings her back to Thakur. And he's like, hey, uh, I found your daughter lost in the woods. Uh, your brother is dead. He drowned. There was a storm. I don't know. He's just he's just dead. OK, right. And, and that- he he uh, in the meantime, the the evil spirit has entered Jasmine's body uh, yeah, so that, yeah. that she's infested with the evil spirit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That Right. Because uh the priest Baba took a lock of her hair and wrapped it around like this voodoo doll kind of, it's a whole thing that he well, did. And she, she went to the demon lair and she stood on the tomb and the, the witch touched her and all of that shit. Oh yeah. She walked she, down the path into the forest. Yeah. She, the witch pulled her into the coffin and yeah. Samir like had to try to rescue her. A lot of just really solid neon imagery. This reminds me a lot of, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the Roger Corman Poe cycle from the 60s, the Vincent Price uh, uh, Edgar Allan Poe adaptations. Probably not. No, I don't think so. They're pretty cool. They're, you know, 60s and it's uh, Corman's sort of big innovation was, I'm going to do them in color. We're going to have them really hyper color, kind of do a Technicolor style to uh, really draw in a youth audience to this classic gothic horror. And it sort of revolutionized this. This feels like that. It's got those really bright uh, pop colors, uh, very uh, pop art, a a lot Mm -hmm. of very vivid uh, reds and yellows and greens. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a gorgeous film to look at. Mm -hmm. And, and that is part of the thing is that it's such a vibes movie. It's all just the lights and colors and sounds and the story 
it's just sort of taking you along you know it's 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 the the background for the roller coaster it, you know it's it's yeah. the, the little introductory sections mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the little guy that talks to you when you're go, climbing up the the slope yeah exactly so yeah baba brings her back and thakur is like hey since you brought back my daughter and rescued her how would you like to become my servant and look after her and baba is like Oh, no, I couldn't. Oh, I insist. Oh, well, if you insist, I will be the shadow that watches your child's every move. It's a very creepy line uh, where he clearly is setting himself up as a Rasputin type. Oh, very clearly. Like, Thakur is the most trusting man in this whole movie. He trusts everybody. He he's the direct opposite of Tom in the previous one. He yeah. he would never conceive of anyone cheating. Uh, no, no. Uh, but so ultimately, Jasmine being infested by a demon slowly starts to manifest. People are starting to like, something's wrong with that kid, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like she she stares at an aquarium to blow it up. Uh, Pretty cool. Doing some omen shit. Yeah. Um. She does a few other things. There's this really cool scene where there's a lightning storm and she's on like this indoor swing set, swinging back and forth, looking at the picture of the funeral photograph of uh, Samir. Mm-hmm. Pretty rad. And Samir's wife is watching her like, this girl ain't right. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, the Preeti, I believe. And she's like, I don't know. Maybe we should see if she's possessed by something. Let's take her to a witch doctor. <laughs> he told me what to do he said ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah. oh my god i do a lyric to a song yeah ting tang walla walla bing bang i mean it helps maybe that none of them are words yeah maybe it does <laughs> why does that help i don't know because then it's know. just sounds then you're you're remembering <laughs> the sounds that go along with the song that's probably it <laughs> also i mean uh, uh, pounded into us at an early age i don't know if that's one that runs that much these days because it might be seen as not super great but yeah that's Probably. from the same that's uh the, the dude who made elvin and the chipmunks no same kidding guy, david seville oh dave was a real guy yeah real dude the ah, creator okay. of the chipmunks so the it was him talking to himself hey dave and then he just sped it up right <laughs> yeah anyway. yeah so <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so pretty or Preeti, oh fuck, you just said it, I don't recall. I think it's Preeti. Preeti, yeah. Gets locked in the room with Jasmine and she's like freaking out and is like, oh my God, she's going to kill me. She's going to kill me. And everyone else is like, what are you even talking about? Who's going to kill you? Who's going <laughs> to, and they finally get into the room and she's like hanged. Yeah, she has been killed. They they took so long to even bother to take her seriously that she dies. <laughs> Just no amount of urgency in these people. Yeah, basically. The core <laughs> couldn't even imagine that she would be killed, that someone would do something like that. Dot Jasmine? Certainly not. Shocking. Yeah. So, um... So now that uh, Samir and his wife are, have been killed, Thakur is like, okay, well, the there's obviously like a curse on the house or on your family or something so we're sending away samir's daughter to live with granny yeah sahila sahila uh i thought i'd like her more than i did 
she doesn't really have much to do. She is just a kind of a, a basic love interest character uh, when she's grown up. Because we, we yeah. do a flash forward here 12 years. Yeah, we we time skip ahead here after after they get... Actually, I wrote it in the notes that they, they got one little haunting and Takura got scared and said, Sahila's moving with her granny and granny in Bombay. It doesn't quite work. Mumbai. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, she she's uh, sent off to Mumbai and they're like, all right. And uh, I guess Jasmine's sticking it. around. Yeah. Well, because I mean, you, you can't just like, you know, th- that's, well, I mean, that's, that's superstition daughter. shit. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, what would it look like if he sent his own daughter away? Right. He's got his position to think about. And he's got to keep an eye on her because, you know, there's there's some weird stuff going on. So she grows up and she's hot. Oh, my God. <laughs> Crazy hot. <laughs> Holy shit. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, actually, like her her character name is Jasmine. Her like the the actress is also Jasmine. Yeah, that's right. The opening credits is Jasmine in Virana. Yeah, yeah so, so she's, she's this is a, a star Beyonce. vehicle. Yeah. Good lord. And oh my god. Every time she's on the So you know how I had said that the music overpowered everything in the first act, but something else would was overpowering it after that? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Jasmine. Oh yeah. No, she's she is uh crazy hot. Uh strange story, like she, this was her final film. Oh, uh, no one really knows what happens to her after oh. what happened to her after this. I guess she just kind of stopped doing stuff. Oh shit, yeah. she's but she's good. great. She's really great. She is. My God, I just hmm. yeah. She <laughs> no, she's totally stunning, uh, and it, it's it's a, a great character to have as the bewitched, uh, sort of demonized character who has this. Uh, strange seductive energy over everyone yeah yeah uh she she nails it she she knocks it out of the park actually i don't like her songs though yeah i'm not a huge fan of the main songs like some of them are okay i like that first seduction one that one's fun uh with i I think samir early on maybe is that, that where it is uh, but uh, for the most part, I like the incidental music a lot more than the main musical sequences. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the the musical numbers. Well, I would say the musical numbers didn't do it for me, but I could watch Jasmine dances all day and night. I don't care what's playing in the background. Yeah, and I think the musical sequences are okay, but most of them don't really blow me away. It's much more just the score of it all that's mm-hmm. really impressive. The score, hmm. the score is uh, incredible. So yeah, we we meet Jasmine. Uh, she is in the bathtub singing about how lonely she is and also how hot she is to the audience because she doesn't know that uh, Ragu, the guy with the the toque, is stalking okay. her, creeping that, on her. That guy's creepy. Yeah, he he he's got the the Michael Naismith uh, toque, and it's it's her cat that he's feuding with, right? Uh, no, he's feuding with Baba's cat. Oh, it's Baba's cat. I thought Baba protected it, but it was technically Jasmine's cat. Oh, no, well. I could be misremembering. It's yeah, like three okay. weeks ago I watched this. <laughs> he, no, it, it's, it's Baba's cat. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, she's like singing about how hot she is, looking into the camera is like, I'm so lonely. Could you be my lover? And oh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. It's it's a seduction song. It works. Yeah. <laughs> and and she's uh it's it's also just her setting up the witchiness and setting up just sort of a there is an erotic energy to a lot of the the last half of in terms of her witchy power is erotic in nature even though they can't do any nudity they have to have that sexual energy to charge these interactions see yeah that's the thing if hollywood were to do this they would just have her show up in a bikini and that would be it like well it's it's the 50s style you know, you you're, yeah. you're, you 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 do in like the classic fifties and sixties style. That that is why I kind of think of Corman and Poe, and uh, the the sort of early pop art stuff where you're kind of leaning as heavily into things within the Hayes Code as you can. Mm-hmm. Well, she she definitely has like pinup girl energy. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, like a Betty like Page style power. Yeah. That's oh god, that's who I was thinking of. I was like, there's somebody whose name I can't think of. And the, that's the who classic. it is. Yeah, Betty Page. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like, Ringu's like, oh, hey, no, I was just uh, dropping off the vegetables. That's why I was in the bathroom watching you bathe. Nothing, nothing like, vegetable, man. Yeah. She's like, wow, no, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, go away, Ringu. You're weird and gross and nobody likes you. Yeah. Except for some reason, the 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 director, rather, kind of gets along with him for no apparent reason. Yeah. And Takur likes everybody. Yeah. So Takur is got a letter from the niece who he sent away to live with the granny yeah. that she's done her college courses and she's on vacation. So it's like, hey, come here, stay with us for your summer holiday. Yeah. So which is she, you know not not a great idea. Although I get it. Yeah. A lot of time has passed. Maybe it's water under the bridge. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But it isn't. It's not. So she's excited. She's like telling her granny, like, I got a telegram from, but under her granny, sorry, is this fucking director guy, Hitcock. <laughs> yeah, Hitcock. Uh, ridiculous. Yeah, I hate this guy. I hate him. <laughs> he's funny. I like, I don't, he's, he is an amusing character, but I kind of just dislike him personally. <laughs> he, his talking gets on my nerves. The way it's, he talks. Yeah. It's like uh, a cartoon parody of Quentin Tarantino in the late 90s. You know, when, <laughs> when someone did a parody of Quentin Tarantino, that guy, that's this guy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I, I really don't like him. He's very annoying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Granny feels that he's annoying, too. Apparently, he's Granny's nephew. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, why don't you take him over to Thacker's place? Yeah, he wants to do research for his horror movies because he's super into the idea of making horror movies. Although I don't get the impression that he actually does anything. No, I don't believe so either. Somebody, I can't remember who, even asked him, was like, so you have made movies, right? And he just kind of dodges the question. He's like, well, the thing about that is, I've seen movies, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) You know the famous suspense director Hitchcock? Yeah. Well, that's not me, but I'm related to him. Yeah, because I changed my name to be kind of similar. Yeah. Hitcock sounds like a a porno parody of the Hitman series. It does. More a porno parody of Hitchcock. Yeah, I mean, you can do that. There there was that. You wouldn't have to, though. There was that Hitchcock movie, uh, a biopic a few years back with, man, who was that? 
uh, that one guy. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I never saw it. Okay, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, so Sahila and, for some reason, the director are on their way to Thakur's house. For some reason, Baba wants to prevent this from happening. So he sends his giant goon to attack them. Uh, they they do a fight in a graveyard. They yeah. have to be saved by this Zimbaru, random guy on a bike. By the way, Z- Zimbaru. that's it, Zimbaru. Uh, the it was it was Hopkins, of course, who played Hitchcock. Oh, oh, makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's the yeah. obvious choice, I guess. Yeah, right? <laughs> man, I still can't get over how good he was in Nixon. So good underappreciated even as much as that was kind of celebrated at the time but also kind of mocked i mean it's it's a weird performance but oh it's good (laughs) (laughs) okay buddy (laughs) yeah buddy good shit (sighs) so yeah zimbaru attacks and kidnaps sahila uh tries to kidnap sahila but they actually attacks the car (laughs) yeah well, he puts like these huge boulders in front of the way that the director tries to move, but he splits his pants trying to lift him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a, a weird element of him. He does feel like a cartoon character in this movie as well. Like not just that he feels like a cartoon parody of Tarantino in the late 90s, which obviously didn't exist yet. He feels like a cartoon character. The <laughs> The way physics interact with him is not the way it interacts with most of the other characters. Like, the romantic characters remain romantic characters. He's purely a cartoon. Yeah, he, he fights uh, he fights Zimbala, or Zimbaru a few times, mm-hmm. and both times they are, like, Looney Tunes fights. Yeah. Like, I, I think you do even get some of the cartoon sound effects when people are hit, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, but only when he's doing it. Only him, yeah. I mean, only he's him. the cartoon character. He's the only yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he's going to survive. Actually, shit, I don't... I think... I, I, like I think my, he survives. I think he survives because my recollection is like, man, when are they going to kill off this annoying dude? And then by the end, he did sort of redeem himself enough that I was like, all right, whatever. I, I was I was amused by him, whereas I was really glad when Ragu got killed off. I was like, man, Ragu, I am sick of you, dude. <laughs> oh, Ragu's got nothing in his favor, at least. No. At, at least Hitcock does rescue them from jail once or twice. Yeah, and Hitcock is sort of self-consciously an absurd cartoon character so you kind of have to roll with him as being the absurd character mm-hmm. he's the jar jar <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but uh yeah so he's hiding in a tree and he, he recruits Hermont, who just happens to be driving on the road in a dirt bike to yeah. help him save sahila and Hermont, i think you can make an argument i think it's Hemont. Oh, you're right. It is. It's Hamont. Yeah. Uh, you could make an argument that he's the main character if it's not Samir. Oh, he definitely is. And he's second build. And he is. It, it's also his real name. He is Hamont. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, that's his name. Hamont. Hamont <laughs> <laughs> Berger. Ah. And, uh, yeah. Oh, so actually, he... Sahila, also real name. Oh. Uh, you know, I did see that in the credits. It's like, a lot of these people are just named after their characters aren't I, they i think it's mainly those three uh looking at the rest of them i think it's just those three which means that those are like our main characters and it's cast around them because like hitcock is a guy satisha right oh, i think i've seen another stuff too he's he's got an energy to him i guess i, I just think it's funny like 
in the case of Jasmine, where she's one of those like one name per people, mm. that'd be like casting Beyonce as your witch and then calling her Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. Although you know what, I'd watch that You'd, movie. Too. I mean, people would go for that. That that's <laughs> totally would. that is the Bollywood that be... model, and that's why it's taking over. It works. <laughs> you know, I think I accidentally had a good movie idea. Yeah, Beyonce is a witch named Beyonce. Fuck yeah. Well, why not? Yeah. <sighs> so, Heyman or Heyman, Heymont, Heymont. That's it. Yeah. Uh, is able to beat Zimbala or Zimbaru. Why is Zimbaru? Zimbaru. And Sahila's like, hey, well, so what do you do for work? Oh, I'm actually looking for a job. Well, come with me. My uncle owns a sawmill and a bunch of other businesses, and you saved my life, and he will absolutely uh, have make you call him father. Yeah, Thakur, I mean, he is a real trusting dude, and he likes people. I can trust you, so he's definitely going to trust you. Yeah, yeah. Um, they stop at the hotel first because uh, they're a few days out. At this hotel, the guy at the counter, he's got oh, like these goofy glasses and hat. <laughs> yeah. He's like, there's three problems with the hotel. One, wild cats and dogs can get in. Two, none of the taps work. And three, the fans only work in the full moon. <laughs> and the director's like, oh, hell yeah, this is a great horror movie setting we have to stay here yeah it's like oh uh, cool we're we're at a horror location the, the, this is exactly the right place to say and this is also where we have the kid who's an old man right yeah, yeah yeah he is the owner of the hotel he's this small child in old man makeup and i love that not only do we have that and we have him doing his stuff that they're also calling it out i think it is hitcock who's like is nobody gonna comment that he's a little kid what's going on here this is absurd and like Sir, that is the owner of the hotel. I, I think you should calm down. <laughs> yeah, they, they had an explanation for it. You see, when he was being born, oh, there yeah. was an earthquake at the hospital, and now he's just like that. It's the tin drum effect. <laughs> have you ever seen the movie? You probably have not seen Tin Drum, Gunter Grass. Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, it, 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 there's a book and a, a very strange movie based on it. It's this kid who uh, grows up uh, in like World War One, and there's some horrifying events that he witnesses. So he decides to just never grow up and become an adult because the adults make war and are awful. And then he just is this permanent child who ends up kind of becoming a Nazi mascot. And it's very strange oh. movie, wild shit. Whoa. Okay, that's uh, all right. He has an origin story, not unlike Boro. Or not, was it Boro in the uh, the the one with the the wild the wild man of the? Oh, oh, um, uh, it's such a beautiful day with Bobble, that guy. Yeah, the 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 creepy. Well, not not it's such a beautiful day, but the in the Mandico shorts, the wild man. Oh. Uh, oh yeah that's Boro in a box okay yeah Boro. He, he was the father yeah our guy has kind of an origin story like that in it too so maybe okay. also an influence there on Boro in the box i don't know yeah, maybe so the, the door to the bathroom doesn't lock so he's showering but she walks in on him <laughs> shenanigans and now they have a like a freaking 10 minute musical number about how they suddenly love each other 
Oh, it goes on. This is a smoke break. <laughs> yeah, this um, <laughs> four wardrobe changes that I counted, and I didn't start counting from the beginning. Yeah, it, uh, they go for it. It's so uh, th- this is the big romance sequence because we don't really want to do a whole sequence where they romance each other in the middle of this horror movie. We can't really do all of those scenes, them going on dates. So we do it in a musical sequence. And we just do all of it in 10 minutes. And then we get back to our horror movie in progress. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's we efficient. find out It works. And we do find out hilariously that they just left the director behind to go on their dates. Well, yeah. Cause totally why would you? Cool stick. Yeah. That guy <laughs> like, is up on their road trip too. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they just left him at the hotel and he's totally cool with it. Because it's a creepy horror hotel. It's a, this is location <laughs> research for his films that he's totally going to make. Mm-hmm. So we've got so now we get our first Jasmine kill, which is the uh, gas station attendant. Yeah. Uh, so she gets she's going to get gas sexily. Mm-hmm. And that's the way she does every single thing. Oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. She does everything uh, like it's it's also the the Baba smoldering intensity. She does everything with that same energy. Mm-hmm. It's like oh yeah. oh yeah, Baba is always just lurking, just smoldering. <laughs> yeah, he's like a pirate lord in a silent film. Mm, yeah, but yeah, so she she gets gas sexily. She's like, oh, there's something with the car, something wrong with the car. Um, but you're such a good mechanic. Maybe come to my place and there's something else I could have you fix. <laughs> yeah. And, and Ragu comes up to the guys like, hey, man, you're real lucky. That's the Thacker's daughter, you know. Yeah. She's real hot. She might be a witch, but she's real hot. You should go for it. Yeah, what an enabler. He's, he wants this guy to get murdered because he's he knows weird shit's going down. He's already yeah. got this feud with the cat that's been going on in the background that we just don't yeah. care about. And the the I don't know if he's met the director yet. The two of them show up uh, in not the yet. Mm. Not, not yet, right. but uh, it's going to happen soon. Yeah, soonish. Pretty soon. I mean, they're they're just moving around. Everybody's like going from place to place to place. But uh, yeah, yeah the, she she kills him. <laughs> yeah, she kills him. Like and, first, we get to see her in a swimsuit at the lake. And, yeah. You know, we get to. They go on a bit of a date, but she kills him. Yeah. I, and I, I do feel like it is practically Ragu sending the guy to his death just to see if it does happen. Yeah, because he suspects we don't really see it yet, but he suspects that something is up with her. He's just an incredibly suspicious man. He's got suspicious eyes and he looks like he's very concerned about what's going on around him all the time. I I believe when you mentioned, first brought him up, you mentioned he does kind of seem like he's tweaking. Like he is on meth all the time. He is very nervous. I thought thought that it was pot in, like he he Mm, was smoking joints whenever he, because his eyes were so bloodshot all the time. Oh yeah. Uh, But no, he's just got... And a very nervous energy, but yeah, kind of a pot nerves energy. I was like, oh, we kind can't of. call the pizza place. No, no. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so, so she kills this dude, and we cut to like just Baba celebrating in his lair, like, hey, Baha called. And then we cut away from Baba, and that's that's all yeah. he's going to do for a while. Yeah, he celebrates all of her kills because, you know, it's it's furthering the Mahakal agenda. Yeah, otherwise he's just lurking. Yeah. Rasputin did a lot more than Baba did. Rasputin actually, like, 
whispered into the ears of the royalty. He just lurks. True, but somehow he's way more effective. And it yeah. it, it doesn't have as much of a backfire for him. I mean, it, ultimately, true, right? it doesn't work out. But, you know, it, yeah. it, he, he's doing pretty well for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So after having sex with the dude, uh, Dakura sees Jasmine coming home late at night and is like, hmm, that's weird. But I don't suspect anyone of anything. So I'll just not suspect anyone right now. It's probably all fine. And nobody's like, eh. they, they can't really identify the dude. So, yeah. And <laughs> Raku's like, well, you know, there was a stranger found dead this morning. Uh, nobody knows who it was. They can't identify him. But I know who it is. It's the gas station attendant who your daughter fucked. Isn't that weird? And Tigger's like, I don't know, man. I don't really believe that shit. Yep. (laughs) It seems like something you'd be making up because you're a crazy weirdo. But I still trust you enough to, you know, live in my house. Even though you'll pull out a knife at the slightest provocation. Yeah, I will. His status is very strange because he feels like almost an unpaid servant. It's it's like one of these weird hangers on on a giant estate. Yeah, it it does feel like that. Like, it took me a while to realize he is supposed to be here. He's kind of an employee. It's just, I think he goes all the way back to childhood with them. He, he he must, and it's just like he's he's one of these people who's around. We, we these, these fucking houses go back generations. Mm-hmm. So the, everybody else shows up. Uh, yeah, so Hamont the, and Sahila Hemant and Sahila show up. And he loves like, Hamont. Oh, You're my new oh, son, <laughs> Hamont. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely work at my sawmill with me. And also, don't call me Thakur, sir. Call me father. Yeah, it's like wow. Okay, that's. Great, that's easy. Uh, the director shows up, and and him and Ragu go at it. Ragu they, pulls a knife on him. Yeah, but they they become buds because they they really see eye to eye. They're <laughs> they they both have a similar odiousness to them. <laughs> We're both crazy motherfuckers. They're both absurd. Like neither of them are occupying the same reality as anyone else. So they go off on their side quest where they become. They're battling the cat. They're uh, battling Baba's cat. The two of them are battling Baba's cat. They're planning to murder the cat, and they, they're going to figure out ways to kill a cat. That's yeah. all and they're going to do for the rest of the movie until uh, Ragu is killed. Pretty much. Oh, yeah, Ragu has a bedroom in the house, but he sleeps on the floor of the kitchen. Yeah. Or sometimes in the sawmill. Yeah. <laughs> like, If he's spooked, just... he's, he's out in the sawmill. Right, which turns a lot out of the to time. be not where he wants to be. No, because that's, that's I think, where he gets killed. That is where he gets killed. And there's a bunch of murders. You know, murders, yeah. you know, uh, there, there's a bunch of them for a bit. Yeah, yeah, like she she's walking down the road uh, and gets picked up by a creepy guy in a truck and kills him. Kills him, yeah. Yeah, and of course, Ragu's like, hey, this creepy guy in a truck got killed. I think it was your witch of a daughter. And Thugger's like, no, 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 that's that's silly. And and it does that for a bit. Like, a few more people die this way. And 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 Well, it's it's Sahila who kind of finally comes through to Thakur because she spends the night with Jasmine and she's weirded out by her energy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my god, sister, I haven't seen you in years. Oh my god, look, I'm I'm grown up and hot now, but you're grown up and hot now. 
Yeah, that's crazy. And I'm like, damn. Yeah, and they they spend the night, and then like the next day, it's like, hmm, Hemant, the core, sounds weird. <laughs> I got a bad <laughs> vibe. Yeah, uh, she she starts singing to seduce Hemant at one point, mm-hmm. and like they start they start like rolling around in bed and stuff. It, it it sort of turns into another thing, much like uh, that. I do feel is intentionally echoing uh, the Bram Stoker Dracula story. They get kind of their own uh, Harker in because uh, Thakur has a buddy who runs a, a psychiatric ward or something. Oh uh, yeah, the, the the doctor. Yeah, Colonel Sanders looking dude. Yeah, and so he's his old buddy, so he gets him in. He's basically fulfilling the Harker role, where he comes in. It's like, well, this is a vampire thing. There's a basic vampire issue, you see. There's <laughs> <laughs> oh, your problem. You got <laughs> vampires. Yeah, yeah. He does a whole hypnosis thing to try to find out like what happened to her, and she just tells the story that we saw in the first half hour of the film. Yeah, about her and Samir. Right, and, and we're going to hear this story a few more times. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time since the first time, but we are going to get it a few more. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and she does a bit of uh, exorcist voice while on, being recorded on tape, too, of course. Yeah, I'm going to kill everybody. Blah! So when uh, Himant is dancing with Jasmine in the yard, the doctor looks out and sees them. And uh, he looks up at the doctor and then he looks back down and Jasmine has vanished and he's just looking around. The doctor's just <laughs> staring <laughs> like she's just not there anymore. And everyone's just like, what the fuck? He disappeared in a jump funny. cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you magic out. Yeah. So Hemant is like saying to Sahila, it's like, man, when Jasmine looks at me with her eyes, it does something funny to me. <laughs> does something funny in my pants. I don't understand <laughs> quite what it is. I don't feel like I can speak about it in this universe. <laughs> and yeah. the doctor, meanwhile, is like, okay, this is it. All right. Yeah. We, we got witch. vampires and witches out. here. Uh, I'm done. Uh, warnings am- to you. This is the process, but uh, you can deal with it on your own. Yeah, I am driving out of this movie, and hopefully nothing bad happens with my car. Because it, he he goes into Jasmine's room and he sees Witchface, the 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 Witchface oh, yeah. that's on the poster with the red beady eyes and just sort of a melty green face, and he's like, "Huh, fuck this!" <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like I'm done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he drives off. Uh, she psychically controls the car, and makes him crash but this isn't what kills him she turns into a bat and flies at him and makes his eyeballs explode hell yeah that'll show him cool yeah warn people about the hot witch how how dare you well it's it's sort of the how if you've ever seen the haunting i think it's kind of boring from that that's the conclusion of the haunting the car racing away and then the a demon controls it to crash into a tree. Doesn't have the exploding eyes topper though. Mm. <laughs> I've seen uh, so many haunted house movies that have haunt in the title that I can't differentiate. It's the Lost Boys, Wild Boys, Wild High, yeah. Wild Things, Lost Highway thing. Well, the the haunting, uh, the original sixty from I think it's like nineteen sixty, and it's awesome. There was also a very bad remake in like. 98 i think that i've seen yeah that one stinks <laughs> the original is great though uh it has uh dr jacoby what's his name uh russ tamblin oh russ tamblin really oh. young 
Oh, wow. He's like the guy who's inheriting the house. I think it's the Owen Wilson character in it, maybe. I don't even remember. Oh, okay. Wow. Wow. So next to die is Ragu. Woo. Yeah. Next to die is Ragu. Uh, first him and the director, like they do their whole Tom and Jerry cat hunting thing. Yeah. And they kill, kill the, the cat. cat. They, they cat comes back. Yeah. And it's, it's very obvious. And I like, it, it was something I was dreading from the moment they introduced the cat and these guys. And I was like, are we going to have a whole killing the cat storyline, which I is, is something that I've seen in too many horror movies and I kind of hate it, mm-hmm. but they, they don't, it's not, done in a really obnoxious way here they they do and then they have a sack and it's like well i guess we bury it i don't know and then the whole time like clearly ghosts are gathering around them as they're burying it's like this was a bad idea the things are not going to go well for us after this <laughs> yeah yeah he the director gets dragged into the grave and they have to pull him out yeah <laughs> i thought he was gonna die here but he didn't die somehow somehow they they had he he was too cartoony they didn't have dip down there Mm-hmm. but ragu is freaked out by the whole cat coming to life thing so he's like i'm gonna sleep in the sawmill like a rational person yeah that seems like probably a safer place for me and it doesn't work out it does not work out because uh, jasmine comes along ties him up to a log and does the thing that sawmills do yeah and he gets well, he should get cut in half real bad, but it's really right. just a red mark on his forehead. It's it's so strange. It's set up and it has the 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 uh, approach where like the saw's coming at him and he goes, ah, ah. and then the next morning he's just on the ground with like a small line on him. It's like, well, they couldn't do gore. That's not allowed. <laughs> yeah, but like this is like a James Bond trap. And now oh, just... what they should just not have shown the body. <laughs> it should have been yeah, like well, yeah. imagination that his body was destroyed in this industrial accident. Oh yeah, but... just have everybody like just have the camera on the floor, everybody looking down at it, like just disgusted. Yeah, there you but go. it's it's too cartoony, and they're just like, yeah, well, he he, he just has a little cut. <laughs> he died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he died. Yeah. Yeah, so Himant suspects Baba because he saw him sneaking out at night. Right. So him and Sahila are going to get in their Jeep. <laughs> and I love this bit where it's like a car chase where he's riding away on his like wagon with horses and they're chasing him on a Jeep. It's like a anachronistic Sleepy Hollow kind of chase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It has a similar sort of energy to it. And they find mm-hmm. the Virana, which is the evil lair. Yeah, the lair. The, oh, that's what Virana is. I, I believe it's uh, the literal translation is deserted place. But yeah, oh, okay. the, the lair. It's the Virana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, and they got their action couple outfits on. She's got her like action red dress. He's got his yellow version of Michael Jackson's thriller outfit. Yeah, they 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 look pretty rad. They they've got they've... like pretty fucking hot eighties drip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Sahila, like, we didn't really talk about it because she gets overshadowed by Jasmine, yeah. but she's like, uh, Jasmine's like sexy 50s goth. She's like trendy 80s hot. Yeah, she's uh, very she's, modern. She, she's got a much more modern look to her. Yeah, yeah, she's she's cool. I like her. Yeah, no, they're, they're both great. They're kind of the real main characters of the movie. All of the other people are just sort of secondary other than, obviously, Himant has a fair amount to do, and then uh, soon... Uh, what's his name is going to show back up. Samir, he, yes, he's going to pop back in to solve everything. 
Yeah, yeah. So they they chase Baba to the to the uh, Spencer's gift base. Yeah, and uh, and Hamont kicks the shit out of like about a couple dozen cultists. Yeah. So so Baba's of course got to go up to Sahila with a knife and be like, "Hey, actually get captured now." Mm. So yeah, they've captured him, and it's like. And it's like, you're the devil. No, I'm not. But I'm working for him. (laughs) 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 So he's got them in his fucking little jail cell. And suddenly, shockingly, the fucking director guy shows up to save them. Yeah, the director comes in. Well, first, first, he reveals that he's been keeping Samir prisoner the whole time. Right. Samir's in the jail cell that they're that he's keeping them in altogether. Yeah. 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 So he was like, oh, my God. My dad's actually alive? Holy fuck. Yeah. And and yeah, so the director saves them. Yeah, he shows up. He's like, I know this is out of character, but you know, I, I figured I should do something. <laughs> I've just been kind of sitting around free loafing this whole movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh so he has to have a rematch with uh, Zimbaru. Mm. And uh, it's it's kind of funny. He's like he he takes like a big knife and he's like gonna stab him, but he's like mm. No, that's gonna be too bloody. <laughs> yeah, that, we're we're gonna have to censor that out. He he does kind of have this third wall break energy of the cartoon character as also a director character. It's like, yeah, if we do that, I can't put it in the movie. So let's try yeah. this instead. <laughs> yeah. So what he eventually does is like he takes a pitchfork, and I love it. Like he's about to stab the pitchfork into the back of his neck, but he stops and he's like wait a second and he step, pitchforks him in the butt because that's okay because it's a funny injury because it's yeah it's it's a good cartoon it, energy it's bah, a bug's funny yeah and, and of course this happens to be his weakness and zimbar is not coming back yeah he he manages to defeat him by uh cartoon logic which of course <laughs> sure <laughs> that's okay and now it's time to get ready for the final scene the they reunite Thakur and the family with Samir. It's like, hey, he's alive. Hmm. And it's like, wow, what happened to you? Oh, Thakur, you know Baba? Yeah. That guy you trusted? Yeah, you should have uh, trusted him. Baba was the enemy the whole time? Like, I, yes, I never Thakur. could have imagined. <laughs> it's like, well, I, I should have expected. But he was just lurking there, harmlessly lurking. Uh, so, yeah, they, they get the gear up for the final battle. And uh, we don't get character stats. We don't see them arming Sadly. themselves or anything. It's it's too early for that, I guess. And yeah, I, I don't well, know. Yeah, that yeah. wouldn't be a thing in the eighties. That would not. Right, and they don't really have the. It, it's it's not quite that same energy that they have now. I could totally see it in a modern one. Yeah, no, but I I could see them getting like a getting ready for battle montage. True, and like flipping in the belts with their knives or whatever. But they don't even come in with weapons. No, no. They just got uh, the they they got to go get rid of uh, the voodoo doll. Yeah, but uh, Samir does have what looks like a big violin case on his back. We don't know what's in it yet. Mm-hmm. But other than that, no, they're not armed, and they yeah they assault the enemy base, and it's like this whole big like twenty minute action scene of like them fighting cultists. Yeah, uh, going back and forth. Uh, Baba with his ha 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 ha! You could never stop me as I twirl my mustache. 
Great. Everybody playing a different style of movie, each of them having their own different type of film that they're in. You know, a couple of them are an adventure movie. A couple of them are doing romance. Our uh, director guy's still a comedy. It, it surprisingly works. It works really well here. It didn't necessarily work that good when they were all apart. But right. It's, together it kind of works it's it's the masala blend it's them actually yeah. finally putting all of those flavors together and it's like okay we, we've kind of prepared you by putting all of them separate like here's all of them interacting and it, it kind of it blends well mm-hmm. and here's where samir gives a speech like yeah there is a power greater than the devil and his name is god and Takur finds the bottle with the voodoo doll and he goes to smash it and Baba's like, you can't do that. You will die. You yes, it will save die. her. But yeah, so he, he does smash it and uh, Thakur dies, right? Thakur does die. Yeah. Um, the witch is expelled from Jasmine's body, but she's now fighting them in her witchy form. Right. So Samir takes out the, uh, it's, it's a giant ohm from the violin case. Yeah, it's Which, like, and it's it's a sarcophagus rather the, the oh, case that they're gonna put her in. Yeah, yeah, the, she's going into back into the sarcophagus. He throws the ohm through Baba's chest, killing him. Hell yeah! Uh, oh yeah, right. Thakur throws throws the bottle onto the ma, ma fuck Mahakal. the statue of their Mahakal, and it explodes. And the statue lights on fire. It's so badass. Yeah, just kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. Very good rising action to this movie. It does give you a huge action climax after not really being an action movie up to this point. Yeah, like it, it's no longer a horror movie anymore. No, no. You, this, you, this you're is doing action. your big action climax to end out the film. Yeah, so yeah, uh, they they end up sealing the witch into the coffin and they take the coffin to the temple of like... I don't know if it's Shiva or Vishnu, one it's of them Shiva. anyway. It is Shiva. It's Shiva? Yeah. Okay. And they open up the coffin and release her there, and she's about to do her vengeance, but then she sees the Shiva statue and just starts thrashing around in the room. Yeah, the, the power of the Lord. Uh, so yeah. it, it destroys her. It destroys her, and I really like the face uh, like paving in on itself effect. Very high quality. You know, it, it's an underrated sort of effect that uh, I've seen done really well in low budget stuff. Like even that Adamson Dracula versus Frankenstein one when the Dracula disintegrates at the end. Oh, it, it kind of reminded me of one of the Evil Deads. Yeah, totally. Uh, the first Evil yeah. Dead has one quite a bit like that at the end. That's, that's the one mm-hmm. I was thinking of. Yeah. And then everybody else who's remaining lives happily ever after. Yeah, we have the narrator who's all like, and and thus the darkness is driven away, and the cycle of seasons begin it begins anew, and Almighty God vanquishes all evil. Yeah. Badass. Oh, it's it's so much fun. It is a real great time. I'm jazzed to dig into the rest of this uh this box from Mondo, the uh Ramsey House of Horrors. Yeah, for sure. Um, God, I I wasn't expecting this movie to be so sexy though. <laughs> like like it's got a real energy to it. And it's it's totally doing that classic 50s thing of uh showing like it knows it can't show anything explicit, so it's really going hard into every bit of innuendo and just amount of posing that it can get away with. Oh man, yeah, and 
god damn it's it's more effective than anything i'm used to seeing like like i said just having the girl standing in a doorway with lingerie and that's supposed to be seduction that's right this works better than that yeah because they're they're they have to work for it <laughs> they, they really have to do a lot yeah they're doing a seduction. Yeah, it's it's they return to seduction quite a bit in this. It's the witch's power, and it's also this is a meta sort of film. We have a director in the movie who's talking about things that have to be censored and things that he's directing. And uh, yeah, it's it's a movie that's like we have to seduce the audience, just like the the witch has to seduce uh, the victims. Yeah, or the vampire um, there, or whatever. Yeah, there is a lot of fat that could be trimmed, but. That's not the point nope. of these movies. No, yeah, it's it's not in it's it's supposed to it's the air conditioning movie. It's the you're, you're here for the whole ride. You're you're here to just yeah. spend a bunch of time indoors and and relax. Yeah, we we have to find out everything about everyone who's tangentially related to Thakur. We're going to be here for a bit, and and everybody's got to have their own adventure because otherwise, why yeah. would the actor want to take the role if they don't have a storyline? <laughs> well, everybody's a big star point. this is a pretty big star system it's i think again it it echoes kind of the classic hollywood star system too mm. yeah it's it's a fucking great time it's really fun yeah oh man i would love to get that soundtrack oh yeah absolutely what a banger uh especially all of those early horror synth tracks oh man mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. awesome uh, sucks that this was Jasmine's last film. I would yeah. love to see her in literally anything. Yeah, it's crazy. She's uh, apparently very few films, but it would be wow. interested in seeing more. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you have any last thoughts on Virana before we move on to part three? Um. Yeah. Well. No. Hmm, shit. Uh, Almighty Shanna vanquishes probably nothing. Mahakal! Uh, Mahakal! Uh, all right, on to part three. And we're back for part three, where we're talking about all the other physical media we've watched in the past week and deciding what we're going to watch next week, which will be our hundredth episode. Oh my God. We've done this for two years. Two years. Hundred, two hundred movies. Wow. A lot of movies. That is a lot of movies. Watched a whole lot of interesting stuff. Prior to doing the show, I don't think the total number of movies I had watched was 200. It's a possibility. Uh, well, we would it'd be close. saw a lot of movies well, in theaters. We did do all those movie nights. Yeah. Anyway. Hard to uh, say. Yeah. Uh, probably not in-depth analysis of uh, 200 movies that you've watched before. No. No. <laughs> so, uh, before we get into the uh picks this week i just wanted to do the quick additions to the stack since we didn't last week and we're not going to next week since we're going to be doing our stacks awards for our 100th episode and uh choosing other stuff anyways we've got five additions and i just want to update on what's oh, new here we've got first uh the hourglass sanatorium okay this i think it's a polish film it's about this guy who goes to visit his 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 i think it's his father maybe his grandfather who has dementia in this sort of very weird out of the way sanatorium so he gets there and the doctor tells him that his father or whatever has stopped breathing but 
time has stopped inside the sanatorium, so he hasn't died yet. So we'll just have oh. to work our way through the labyrinth of the sanatorium to find him so that you can, you know, pay your last respects and everything. That and, sounds cool. Yeah. And apparently, like the sanatorium, it's very surreal there's all sorts of it's sort of a portal movie where they just sort of pass through all sorts of different uh realities it's uh very much haunted by the holocaust and it's sort of uh uh, sort of a reflection on uh the way uh uh, the holocaust taking place largely in poland uh, uh has sort of echoed through uh the psyche since then yeah wow um my understanding that is sounds very really good. Interesting. Yeah, I, I hear it's great. Uh, I've been meaning to get to it, but it also sounds really heavy. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, next up, the park is mine. It's a Vietnam vet who just feels raw about his time in Vietnam, and he's back in America. I've, I've talked about one of these every week for a while. <laughs> uh, this one, it's Tommy Lee Jones, and he's taking over Central Park because, you know, aforementioned. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Mad about veteran rights. <laughs> Next up, Method Man, uh, from which another Wu Tang member got his name. It's another Jackie exploitation. No shit. Yeah. Uh th- this one pretty basic in terms of uh the, the concept. You got murdered parents training to get revenge for him, but it's you know uh-huh. a Jackie Tan comedy style. Basic stuff. I <laughs> I will make him fall off the ladder and then hang from the ladder while the ladder swings. Yeah. To get revenge for my father. Yeah. I, I don't know how the, the revenge and uh, how those storylines mesh, but that should be interesting. Uh, next in the Ramsey House of Horror Box, we've got Purani Haveli, uh, which has just, I mean, it seems like it has a ton of plot. <laughs> oh, wow. The, uh, the, the little blurb is yeah, a yeah. full fucking page on it's my like phone. We, we get like the entire list of all of the Kumars and they they're all these different relations. And there's this old mansion in the countryside. So it's sounding quite a bit like Virana already. Uh, but the thing <laughs> I'm gonna is, need a few minutes to read all this. <laughs> yeah. So there's a monster that lives under the mansion and it eats people is, is oh. kind of the main thing. So you got a cannibal monster under a haunted mansion. And it's cool. let me see how long is this one? This one's two and a half, hundred and forty-five minutes. Hundred forty-five, so not not a whole lot longer than the other one. Yeah, it's still pretty short, relatively yeah. speaking. Uh, and last edition is Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. The next one after they escape, uh, where you know they escape to death in the past. So this one is set in the future after uh, all pets have died. Uh, there's a virus oh. that uh, killed off all cats and dogs. So people oh. started keeping monkeys as pets. And then they also started keeping uh, monkeys oh. as slaves. And now there's a monkey slave rebellion. It's like we just don't learn. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what this one's about. <laughs> uh, it's a monkey slave rebellion led by Caesar, the infant chimp from the uh, monkeys from the future, you know, the apes from the future, uh, Zira and Cornelius, who were murdered at the end of the previous one. Okay. <laughs> uh, Roddy McDowell does provide the voice of Caesar, uh, where he was previously Cornelius, the dad. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. So those are the only additions to the stacks. Uh, from the watch stacks, we have 11 picks this week. 
Hmm, so all right. a, a lighter menu than last week's what 25 was it something like that yeah i think so <laughs> so first up we've got american commando six kill butterfly kill <laughs> 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 so this... another cut and paste action flick okay oh is it ever so uh godfrey ho real exploitation legend this guy he's like you know how we we have those Al Adamson ones where he sort of cut and paste his stuff and sort of built it, uh, retrofit things to fit trends. Uh, Godfrey sure. Ho's like that on fucking Overdrive. He he's like the cut and paste wizard, uh, like like Joe D'Amato on DMT. Very really <laughs> deranged stuff. I'm so excited to see some of his stuff hitting Blu-ray because there's such weird patchwork abomination movies. Pure exploitation, cool. just pulling from so many sources. So American Commando 6, Kill Butterfly Kill is a merger of, it's it's the sixth, it, the, the American Commando series does exist, but they all exist in the background of other movies or they exist edited into other movies for the most okay. part, I think. Because that's what's going on here. So this is existing, I think it's a Taiwan rape revenge movie called Kill Butterfly Kill. Okay. This lady okay. gets gang raped by a whole bunch of dudes in a barn, and then a few years later, she tracks them down and she murders them for doing so. Pretty basic. Mm. Uh-huh. So, American Commando Six: Kill Butterfly Kill is a final product where they've also edited in a movie about these American Commandos who are living in the area and they're having this adjacent storyline where they're dealing with some drug dealers and. <laughs> It's uh, it's so mind bending. It's a, it's a total brain melt. Just constant pulsating synth music. <laughs> nice. uh, it, it just veering wildly between these two storylines that have absolutely no overlap, except sometimes these American guys will, you know, vaguely refer to one of the characters in the other one. Uh, it's 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 so finely edited because you're you're cramming two movies into one, and one of the movies, you know, is a pre existing movie that wasn't made for that point. Uh, just the editing is so fast that it's comedic at times. It, it really wallops <laughs> you with it. It's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, nice. it, it, total, total uh, blast. Very, very funny. Because it'll just like, it'll just cut into sudden action and then just be pure chaos out of nowhere. And then uh, it'll just end just as quickly. And then like, oh, you know, we're on to this other thing. And <laughs> lots of classic stolen early synth music a lot of stuff by ymo uh the yellow magic orchestra ryoichi sakamoto's okay. first group uh oh. and recognized a bunch of tracks from them there i was like oh hey shit <laughs> remember that one martial arts movie that had the halloween theme for a fight uh yes which one was that <laughs> lucky seven lucky seven right <laughs> uh, we didn't cover it properly but we we did talk about it it, it was the second feature with uh kung fu wonder child which we did cover mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next up the zone third in the full moon trilogy we covered the first two more or less yeah yeah we did uh yeah we did like a good 20 minutes on the second one i think yeah so the, this one completes it completes a stack which is why we'll be picking from the inactive stacks this week uh this one i did not enjoy as much as the other two although it may grow on me as those sort of did that that's kind of my feeling with those two is that i liked them the more i thought about mm. them maybe than i did as i was watching them. right this one uh, it's 
it, it's it's you know repetition of the theme and it's sort of very very self-conscious about it i do find that most people seem to rate this one a little higher than the others uh so maybe it's just me but i i did find it to be repeating the theme and it's sort of it's sort of obvious in the way that it's uh lampshading that it's doing the same thing again because so you got swanberg doing another film with sex new another sex right. film this one it, it is just an art film where everybody's having sex in a room and it's sort of abstract where it's just a weekend where several couples are all having sort of polyamorous sex together <laughs> i hope i don't develop feelings for one of them and get jealous so this time he's not jealous it's not him. Oh, he's not, oh, he's not even the jealous one. Uh, he's he's oh, not okay. even a part of it. He's just the director. He's just trying to direct this movie, and the people in the movie are couples. Oh, okay. Uh, and so it's it's th- this weird thing that it's some of it is actual behind the scenes. Some of it's behind the scenes of the movie within the movie, and some of okay. it's the movie within the movie. Uh, and it's not clear <laughs> at what level we are at any given time. And sometimes we don't know if it's behind the scenes of actual the, the making of the zone and what stuff is fake behind the scenes of the making of the zone where they're talking about how they feel about how the zone is turning out or how they feel about how the movie within the movie of the zone is turning out. Because they all feel like it's kind of running into the ground and things aren't working out. I'm sorry, What? yeah yeah it's it's ex- i love it it's super recursive it's you know they've got the movie within the movie and they're all sort of self-critiquing within that and they're saying like well you know they, they do a rough cut and they feel like well you know i i feel like you're really outing how hetero you are and you're kind of really downplaying the the gay sex scenes and sort of over representing the other ones and like, yeah i guess maybe and so we kind of got to do these other scenes and we'll kind of resolve it there ultimately yeah there, there's one lady who uh it's caitlin shiel who was the the girlfriend in the first one okay she just becomes weirdly jealous of her boyfriend who's one of the other actors in the film and there's a threesome scene that they're shooting and she just kind of freaks out during it while they're shooting it. And she like hits him while he's like doing a sex scene that all three of them are oh. in. And then the uh, movie um... just shuts down. Everyone's like, okay, no, th- this is over. We can't do this anymore. Cause it's been building up and he's talked to her about it already. He's like, are you cool? Can you, can you be chill about this? This is so not a thing. We're all making the same movie here. He's like, no, no, it's cool. And he's like, I don't want to be endangering your relationship. And she just keeps turning around. And like, well, I, I think you think you're really egotistical and that you're going to hurt our relationship. And it's like, I mean, it's literally happening in front of my eyes and you need to chill out. <laughs> his whole position on it. And, you know, it, it turns into this whole thing. And then we have his wife, uh, someone playing the director's wife, who's not actually his real life wife, who was in the previous movie in a different role. I mean, the recursiveness of this all, Uh, but he talks to her about it and she reviews the film that we've seen up to that point. And she's like, well, it seems kind of obvious and you're clearly just doing the same thing you did with art history, where you're just complaining about (laughs) making movies and how annoying it is. It just seems like you're just doing the same thing again. (laughs) There's a lot of that stuff. It's, it's, I liked it, but I did not enjoy it as much as the other two, especially visually. It doesn't have uh, as much like, although there are some things that look really great, uh, especially the movie within the movie. 
uh, there, there's some really inventive shot uh, composition there. Yeah. yeah, there's one thing about the second one that I didn't, that I think the first one did better. There wasn't any like standout scenes like the werewolf dance scene. Although I loved all of the pool stuff in art history, uh, just the pool the, stuff, the was green cool. and the the swimming bodies and stuff. I I really did dig that. Uh, I did like the uh, the massage train scene. I don't think we <laughs> no, talked I don't, about yeah. it, but that, uh, that's cute. Yeah, all of the yeah, characters in the massage just, train. Yeah, and like every one of them is like expressing a different thing and nobody's actually saying any of it. Right. And I, I believe it's uh, uh, Adam Wingard at the front. He's like, I'm the, uh, I'm the conductor of this uh, train. And now Wingard yeah. comes in as the caboose. Yeah. Yeah. Good shit. Uh, next up sidekicks. Did you ever see this one in the nineties? I feel like, <gasps> wait, that's Chuck Norris, isn't Chuck it? Chuck Norris and Jonathan Brandis in sidekicks. I am almost positive I saw this. It's kind of a would have been. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is a Karate Kid ripoff, like pretty yeah. flat Karate Kid ripoff. Uh, Joe Piscopo is the evil villain. Oh, okay. He's basically playing like the Cobra Kai top guy, except he's uh, yeah. just so unbelievably over the top in every scene and it's joe piscopo so he doesn't he's not really a martial artist so you don't really ever feel like there's much threat there <laughs> so it's it's a weird one because brandis jonathan brandis uh he's got asthma and he's really soft and he's kind of like proto goth kid okay and he's he's got a crush on winnie cooper from the wonder years She's in this. It's around the same time. She Didn't looks exactly the same. <laughs> uh, and he has all these psychotic fantasies where Chuck Norris shows up and then he kills a bunch of people with him. <laughs> they're, they're like reenactments of sequences from existing crazy, violent canon Chuck Norris movies, except Brandis is there in like mini me form shooting people with him. <laughs> And usually he's like rescuing his teacher from sexual peril, which is just a whole nother weird psychological issue that I don't know how to get into. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. That's uh, hmm. it's very, very strange. So he uh, Mako comes to town, you know, classic, great fucking Japanese actor Mako. Oh, oh, yeah. Yes. He shows up. He's buds with this lady who, for some reason, is interested in his wet blanket of a dad uh and he decides to mentor him but he's just like he's sort of doing the karate kid thing where he's just getting him to do a bunch of chores and feeding him a bunch of garbage and just messing with him but claiming it to be karate tutoring <laughs> okay <laughs> anyway there, there's like it's just him hallucinating chuck norris while he does stuff like there's a part where he's climbing the rope at school in gym class and chuck norris appears next to him on another rope and he tells him like he gives him new information about how to better climb a rope which is very impressive <laughs> and everybody's like who are you talking to up there nerd <laughs> So so he's imagining himself receiving information that he didn't have and yeah. then having this information. Yeah, it's impressive. Ultimately, Chuck himself nice. does show up and there's a karate tournament and he somehow ends up on their team against Joe Piscopo. You know, obviously. Although maybe right. he doesn't. Maybe it's a hallucination. It's <laughs> it's a real vanity project. Like, ooh, it is a vanity project, <laughs> but it's bizarre. Chuck Norris doesn't sleep. 
he waits. Oh yeah. Also, it's directed by Aaron Norris. Oh boy, brother to Chuck, of course. Mm, of course, he, he directs a lot of Chuck Norris films from this point forward. He sort of becomes his handler, I guess. Uh, better in the canon days. The, the, this is like G-rated practically. You know, even though it's oh. it's doing those canon scenes, it does them like cartoon style, and there's no bloodshed. It's weird. Very oh. strange. Uh, next up, Buster Keaton with the battling butler, or actually, it's just battling butler. There's no the, because uh, he's not a butler. His name is Butler. He's like Austin Butler oh. or something. Okay. So in fact, he's cool. this fop. He's this rich, uh, obscenely rich fop. He he's the scion to some family, and he they're, they're tired of him being around the house, so they send him on a camping trip. <laughs> I'm looking at the description. A meek millionaire masquerades as a boxing star to win a girl's heart. I, yeah. I'd watch the shit out of this premise. So the, it's it's weird because that's sort of a real simplification because there's not a lot of him being a boxer. He never actually gets in the okay. ring, for instance. Uh, it, oh. it, he runs into this mountain girl. And he really has the hots for her because she's tough and cool. And okay, yeah, uh, he meets her family. You know, they're real, they're, you know, backwoods mountain people who are into the moonshine and they get into this thing about he's such a weakling and he couldn't possibly provide for her. And somehow it never comes up that he's a multi-billionaire. No, he's just like super rich. (laughs) He's instead, he goes into this (laughs) ruse because he has the exact same name as this up and coming prize fighter. They're both named Austin Butler. He's like, okay. well, no, I'm this featherweight champion. In fact, I'm going to have to go train out of town for the next little while. And she can't come to see me because it'll be messing with my training. But, you know, we'll we'll have the money after that. And then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll totally be able to take but care of her. He has, he the, has the money already. He could have just <laughs> led with the money. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would think that would yeah. work. But you know what? This sounds funny. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. He ends up uh, running into the actual guy because he goes to train where he is so that he has plausible deniability if she does show up. And obviously she does show up and shenanigans. Right. Uh, yeah. Of course. Uh, you know, pretty good time. Again, just breezy. The, these movies are like an hour long. Right on. It sounds really fun. Next is The General, which is kind of his best known movie, Buster Keaton. This is, I mean, it it has some problematic elements because he's on the side of the South in the Civil War. Ah, yeah. Although there's there's practically no political element to the way it plays out. It is just, the whole movie is a train chase. Oh, okay. Like, there is almost no non-action story. This one, it's just pure momentum the whole time he they get him on a real train. This is the one he's performing those really fucking insane stunts. There's the one where there's a railroad tie that's wedged into the tracks, and there's a couple of them, and he like gets a hold of one and he's just barely able to get it out just the moment that the cow catcher comes out and like scoops him under it. And he he's like back on the cow catcher, <laughs> and then they're approaching another one that's trapped in there, and he perfectly throws it, and he doesn't throw it like Widthwise, he throws it lengthwise, so it just hits on the tip, and the two of them both tumble out of the way just in time for the train not to get derailed with him riding on the front of it. All right, I think I've seen bits and pieces of this one. It's pretty famous. It had what was up to that point in time the most expensive shot in movie history, where they just blew up a bridge with an actual locomotive on it to it and dropped it into a river. 
And they had just a whole <laughs> bunch of people in the shot too to make sure that you could see that it was not a miniature and it was real. They had like soldiers on horseback. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that wouldn't have been a thing that you did back then. I mean, there were there were miniatures. Miniatures were already being employed, yeah. but you could show that you were doing it for real here. <laughs> yeah, damn. Like the general isn't super funny compared to his other ones, but just in terms of the stunts, it's crazy. Like there, there are so many stunts that you're just like, I don't, I, I don't know how he survived making this movie. <laughs> Next up, live and let die. This is like one of my favorites guilty pleasure bond movie it's it's probably my favorite roger moore it's it's still probably the one that just does it for me in terms of his stuff it's it's bond dropped into black exploitation him doing all the harlem <laughs> stuff there's this crazy plot about uh there, there's this I, I think he's like a barbados or like caribbean warlord who's masquerading as a drug kingpin in harlem it's Yafet Kodo, by the way. Yeah. And he's got like an yeah, under, underwater, underground lair with shark tunnels and shit. Oh. Yeah, and he's got like this guy who can't die. Their insanity. Uh, <laughs> and he's got Solitaire, who's a really great Bond girl. Uh, Jane Seymour, right. Quinn Madison woman. Yeah. Uh, who can predict the future with her tarot cards until she gets laid, which is a big problem for Bond. Ooh. <laughs> that's that's funny <laughs> yeah it's it's a very strange one it, it plays with it like it's tropey it's very silly uh you got a score by george r martin george r martin george martin uh the producer for the beatles which is why you have paul mccartney doing the main song i i will say it's probably still my favorite bond song it's up there it, it's not my favorite but it's totally way up there uh, and you have all the speedboat chase shit, which is rad. Uh, I don't love <laughs> Sheriff J.W. Pepper, who's pretty lame, but, you know, I get it. Yeah. He's the, the ridiculous <laughs> Southern Sheriff. They even bring him back in Man with the Golden Gun. Oh, jeez. Well, that one had Christopher Lee, didn't it? It did. Uh, one of the most hated entries in the series, as a matter of fact. Oh, Really? I don't know if I've seen that one. I've definitely seen Live and Let Die, though. It's got a guy with a golden gun in it. It's also got Tattoo, you know, uh, from Fantasy Island, the little person. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next up, we've got Sister, Sister. Uh, It's sort of a Southern Gothic slash Giallo type thing. Okay. Uh, It's got Eric Stoltz and Jennifer Jason Leigh. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, she's this girl who she's the younger sister and there's the older sister who she just keeps putting anything off in her life. Like she's dating the sheriff and the sheriff's trying to get her to marry him or do anything. But she always keeps putting it off because, well, I, you know, the sister, because there's something right. that happened at some point in the past. Okay. Uh, it, it takes so long for us to understand what actually happened and how. Uh, it's not actually that deep of a thing <laughs> for for the the twist to end. And it just like we we spend so long, we're not because sh- it it wants every character to potentially be the person who's doing the slashings. Okay. So 
by the time we get there, we don't really have any idea of who any of these characters actually are. Uh, you've got Eric Stoltz. He's a congressional aide, and he's just like checked in here, and he's hot for the sister. And it seems like he just really chose a stupid place to be, but maybe he's in on it. Is he got a link <laughs> to their secret past? I mean, obviously, but <laughs> yeah, it was all right. I mean, very stylish, a lot of atmosphere, but uh, the the characters don't really feel like anything. Hmm. Is it kind of like Clue, where you could just make anyone the killer and then be kind and I mean, uh, I mean, I'm obviously Clue does it better. Yeah, I mean, this it it clearly wasn't intended for that. Oh, okay. It's just it, it's it it makes all of the characters uncertain because it wants you to be able to suspect them. It wants to be able to play them as suspect up until the final reveals, and it's just like they oh, they draw okay. it out to an ex extent that it stops really having any effect mm, all right next up we got april fool's day local film oh i mean not local local directors or anything but it was shot in brentwood bay oh wow okay uh, opening cool. scenes on the mill bay ferry when they they head over to their uh scary island house where uh everybody is uh spending a horror weekend for april fool's <gasps> day uh, oh okay so, remember killer party right yeah that's it's a right. prank slasher the, these are prank yeah. slashers where the prank is on the audience a lot of the time as well so it's faking you out mm -hmm. yeah that's right because they did like three different openings before we finally got to the real movie yeah so this is doing that sort of thing not quite uh that directly but it's playing with audience expectations and it's messing with you i sent you that one clip with the uh the painting with the eyes and they 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 pull it down and it's one of those cat <laughs> clocks looking cat. back and forth that's a good bit yes. uh later when oh. it's it's a part of thing where this girl has invited them all for this april fool's weekend and everybody's room has something creepy in it or weird or that is making them unable to sleep like one of them, the, they turn off the light by the bed and it just turns on one of the other lights in the room. They turn that off and it turns on another light in the room. <laughs> one of them, there's a, a tape recording of a crying baby. One of them, the tap sprays in their face instead of downwards. <laughs> there's just tons of pranks everywhere. It's a very prank forward film. And then people start getting killed off. And they're they're wondering, like, is, is someone doing this or is it a trick? And just uh, people slowly getting picked off and disappearing from the main cast. And uh, I, I liked it quite a bit. I think it's really funny. It, it, people felt cheated by it at the time uh, because there's very little mm. or there's there's no gore pretty much. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it's got a fun hook and it's an unusual one. And, and there's still a lot of really fun lines. Apparently, the cast all really got to know each other and have pretty fun chemistry. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I love when that happens. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a line I really like where uh, Muffy, Muffy St. Clair, the, the lady who owns the house and is maybe secretly evil and is possibly slashing them. She's the one who's depicted on the cover with the noose hair. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, someone asks if she's into Arch. He's like, Arch? He only has two expressions. Call her up and call her down. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there's a part where he's like locked in his room and he finds a porno mag and he's looking at it and he like looks both ways and he like pops up his collar to look at it it was so funny <laughs> uh, 
good bit. It, it's uh, played. It's Tom Wilson Biff from Back to the Future. Oh, hmm. cool. Uh, next is Alien from L.A. Uh, Wait a second. <laughs> it, she she. So it's sort of a. It, I mean, it's explicitly a fairy tale. They describe it as a fairy tale, but it's a canon movie, so it's like a scuzzy fairy tale. It's it's <laughs> Kathy right. Ireland, you know, supermodel Kathy Ireland. It's one of those movies where you get a supermodel and you pretend that she's like unattractive by putting her in a big t-shirt and putting granny glasses on her and messing up her hair. <laughs> it helps. She has glasses and a ponytail. She is undateable. It helps that she has like a cartoon mouse voice. He's like, oh, geez, I don't know about that. And so most people are complaining about her voice. Like she has a boyfriend who dumps her at the beginning. And he's like, your voice gives me a headache. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. So she has this absentee dad who's like a world explorer and she really misses him. But she's like very sheltered and she refuses to ever go anywhere. This is the bro- the the boyfriend's other problem that she never goes out. She she won't ever go to out of town. The only place she goes is the beach. Right. Okay. So. She gets wind from somewhere in South Africa or wherever that her father has fallen down a bottomless pit and died. So they're like, we'd love you to come and see, you know, where he lived and kind of get a feel for his stuff. And she decides to go and she. Good. That'll be a big step forward. Step forward. She, she never goes anywhere. Uh, The thing is she goes to explore the the bottomless pit. She falls down it. Oh no. (laughs) But it turns out Atlantis is down there. Oh, good. There's, there's this good. whole society in the center of the world, and they don't believe in the surface world. They think she's uh, she's absurd, and she becomes an alien figure to them. Oh, hence the exactly. Title. So first thing, she falls on this guy who is this gruff miner. So it's a guy with a cartoon voice. You know, like <laughs> she's got the, her squeaky cartoon vo- mouse voice. And he's always talking like this. <laughs> so which leads to my absolute favorite exchange in the movie where the the sleazy gangster guy with the really long eyelashes has gotten a hold of her and he's taken her hostage and <laughs> she's talking and he's like i wish you would shut up you're driving me crazy with that voice and you know savior guy with the gruff like the gruff manly cartoon voice jumps in he's like i like the way her voice sounds and then he comes and beats them up (laughs) it's a super cheap movie it's like this was this is famously on mystery science theater uh and i think that's probably where most people have seen it uh (laughs) great underground sets the the set dressing for their atlantis underground is really fun just packed with details and I mean, it is one of these movies that has so fucking much lore, just an excess of lore. There's so much story that I mean, I don't even know. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, next up, we've got The Vampire and the Ballerina. It kind of has a flavor not unlike Vir- Virana, but this is Italy. It's from 1960, and it's gothic horror, but it's like horny gothic, you know? Uh Oh, but oh, pre yeah. where you could do a bunch of nudity. So it's it's that repressed era where it's like, oh man, everybody's really got a lot of sexual energy, but no one's able to actually even take a top off, right? Yeah, yeah. 
So the the vampire in this one, he's really hideous. He's like super old. And because he's very old, he's like all grotesque and shriveled and dried up. Is that him on the poster in green? Yeah. Kind of looking like the Grinch? Yeah, that's him. Okay. And he's married. He's married to this ghost lady who's hot. But, you know, I, I, I think she's maybe got a corporeal body, but she's retained her youthful beauty. But he's got this whole thing where he can't. Uh, he he has to go out of the house to get young blood, and th- that's how he regains oh. his youth. It feels like a midlife crisis thing, right? Yeah, a metaphor, oh. right? He's, he's been <laughs> married for hundreds of years, and he's all shriveled and old. But he goes out and he sucks young blood, and young blood, and suddenly he's youthful. She just and turned eighteen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would, I, maybe it was because I'd watched that that it was on my mind when I was watching. But anyway, uh, <laughs> there's all of these things. He he seduces this lady and he's the it's got this thing where if you are bitten by the vampire you uh will remain in love with them forever even though they're monstrous and horrible and are siphoning off your blood it's it's not strict classic vampire rules it, it sort of has right. its own way it's it's a more uh sexual and romantic edge to it except the vampire itself is really grotesque which is sort of an odd blend honestly okay interesting so the ballerines come into it because there's a ballet academy like near his fucking crumbling edifice that he lives in and just the the girls in the ballet academy are horny they're all extremely (laughs) horny they we have multiple (laughs) dance sequences where they just have a samba about how they're feeling about vampires and it's just it goes on for 10 (laughs) minutes you know oh my god all right (laughs) uh and yeah you know uh he finds one of the ballerinas and he's sort of uh he bites her and she's sort of entranced to him and uh, the people around her are trying to deal with it. And, it, you know, it it turns into something very similar to the classic Bram Stoker Dracula storyline where they're trying to uh, uh, find him and uh, destroy uh, his influence and so forth. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, horny energy to it. Hmm. <laughs> and last up is Copperhead, the snake movie. The snake movie. <laughs> that's, that's its actual subtitle. Oh, well, that's, a, yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> Coverhead the Snake Movie. Uh, shot on video, uh, very homemade type stuff. Uh, a lot of killing of snakes, of real snakes. Oh. Uh, oh. Uh, so the, the, it does in, also include a cruelty-free cut on the disc, which is kind of neat. That's great. The snakes are still... Yeah, I mean, it's a movie made in 1983, so uh, the, the, the people yeah. distributing it can't do a whole lot about bringing the that's... snakes back to life. That's true. That's not to be expected, I suppose. It it happened 40 years ago. So, and I mean, it's also from snake country. Like this is an area where they are a pest and they, it's part of the plot of the story is that they are a serious pest and everybody kind of shoots them in this area. It's kind of what you do. And whacking. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of a, an, a revenge plot with, we we think it's a curse of snakes, right? Uh, there, there's these people, this family, who are heavily armed. They seem like doomsday preppers. They're super religious, and they're hanging out in this abandoned house, and they've got some sort of loot that they're really cagey about. And the, the dad is just so aggressive to anybody who comes near in a way that is tipping off everybody around town. That, like, this guy, what's going on with these people? 
uh, making too big of himself in, uh, you know, just getting into fights with everybody. There's nothing weird about me. I don't have a deep, dark secret. Yeah. Uh, making just a lot of stupid choices and everybody suspects him. So everybody's watching him, but he decides to start a fight with this wildlife painter who he decides is probably the one who is letting all these snakes loose around the house, even though the guy came over there friendly the first day. I was like, you should probably set up some mouse traps because the mouse mice being hidden in the house, especially now that you have food there, they're going to draw the snakes into the house. And there's a lot of snakes around here. And he's like, well, that's all a bunch of scientific bullshit. And I don't believe that stuff. Oh, no. he, he's got that sort of tenor. He's doing uh, uh, a lot of the, those sort of arguments. And, you know, he hits his kids and stuff when they're mouthing off to him by not immediately shooting people that he wants them to shoot or, you know, that, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Sounds like a real winner. Just a real fucking asshole. Uh, you know, ultimately, uh, everybody gets killed by snakes, basically. Yeah, they're overrun by snakes. And it turns out to be a revenge plot. Uh, related to this family that they killed before because that they stole the loot from, obviously. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's shot on video. It's very grungy. It's homemade stuff, but, you know, it's got an atmosphere to it. Uh, it's, it's a weird vibe. All right. So we have those 11 choices. What is your pick for our 100th episode? Well, um, so... So we've already done a lot of Swanberg. Is there, do you think there's enough new stuff for us to to discuss to make a whole episode out of the zone? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would say a good thing to do, I'll like lend it to you with it and then yeah, watch it and we'll was... do like a brief spotlight on it with whatever else we're covering. Yeah. Like we did yeah, last if, time. If we even decide that that's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that sounds cool. Because it is something like I want to watch it. Yeah, yeah. just because I I'm start. I feel like I'm starting to grasp what he's all about. Yeah, but... and and round out the trilogy, and also like a lot of people do kind of point to this one as the best one. Okay, well, not me. Yeah, either, all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as... <laughs> okay, so yeah, that's that's the thing we can do. Um, you know what then? You really got me interested in Alien from L.A., honestly. All right. Alien from L.A., an Albert Pyun film. Uh, cool. uh, I don't know. He he died recently, sadly, uh, after a long illness. Oh. Uh, he did the Captain America movie we covered a while back. Oh, cool, yeah. cool. The 1991 that's uh, not super well-loved, but it's kind of great. It's We had fun yeah, with it. Yeah, he also did the Jean-Claude Van Damme cyborg movie, which was not completely finished when it was uh done <laughs> yeah <laughs> that sort of stuff yeah should be fun so alien from la starring kathy ireland uh as well uh as uh our main feature is going to be a pick from the inactive stacks ah uh, yes so oh <laughs> i i'm actually uh should have looked at this before but yeah there's there's some new stuff in here. The hands got in here that uh, Michael Caine one we talked about. Indeed, yeah, no, because uh, a lot of the stuff that there's a lot of flux uh, of like a handful of stacks where it's just that's where I'm putting stuff that I've just watched. <laughs> mm, okay, <laughs> right on. Yeah, there's a few others here. The good, the bad, the ugly is still there, and I have been thinking I want to do that soonish. Oh. 
La Jete. I remember what this one was about. So La Jete is the one that... Uh, oh, no. That, no, I don't. No. This is a different La one. La Jete is the one that 12 Monkeys is inspired by. Oh. Uh, it's, it's fairly short, uh, and it's like this... It's sort of a French collage film. I think it's I, I think it's only still shots. Like there's no motion in it, and okay. it, it's like a time travel thing where it, someone's experiencing time all at the same time because of World War Three, and they're in, you know the future which has been destroyed, but they're thinking about what happened in the past that caused it. You know the you know the Twelve Monkeys stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's. That's cool. Um, I was getting that mixed up with some similar jeté thing with the dance of the. Uh, oh, God, the, I know the what you mean. Yeah, and the mother. Jeté. That's Grand the jeté, one. Yeah. I was getting that mixed up with that. <laughs> yeah. As as I do with similarly named things. Mm. Uh, okay. Well, that sounds really interesting, but that's only about twenty eight minutes. Yeah, it's, so. it's real short. Yeah, maybe maybe not for our hundredth episode. Yeah, I figured that's when we we could, uh, like that's a Chris Marker film, and we would probably pair it with the other film on the disc with it, which is Sun Soleil, uh, which is sort of his. It, it's just all of his meditations on uh, places he's lived. Uh, so that's quite a bit longer, and it's uh, more uh, just floating around, going to different places. So he's lived in Japan, Guinea-Bissau, Iceland, and San Francisco. Okay. Cool. Um uh, you know what? I Tom Cruise for not necessarily the best reasons has been on my mind lately. I've been listening to a podcast episode on the current state of Scientology. Oh, yeah. And he comes up quite a bit in there. I don't re- I've seen Mission Impossible and I don't remember anything about it so the original one is a brian de palma film it's the movie he made right before uh snake eyes oh cool yeah de palma yeah we all right um heck you know what let's because i've liked we did eyes wide shut which i really liked that which was a tom cruise film we did both the brian de palmas i really liked harry and snake eyes yeah yeah um let's let's Shit, let's do Mission Impossible for our 100th episode. Mission Impossible. All right. Uh, a pretty good time. Uh, I, I feel that the series gets better around three. Three is where they start being really good. First one's okay. Uh, first one's okay. good, pulpy, fun. Second one is absolute fucking trash fire garbage. <laughs> yeah, that was the last one that I saw. I didn't see anything after the that. The same thing that happened to me. And then I finally picked them up on disc and it's like, wow, actually, the later ones are pretty good. The, the more recent okay. ones are kind of awesome. Hmm. Uh, this one's fun. You know, it, it is De Palma and, you know, it's doing the classic Mission Impossible TV series. Part of the issue is, I guess, I never had much familiarity with that myself. Uh, me neither. I think one of the big things is they make one of the guys who is the good guy, the main guy from the series, they make him into the bad guy of this one. Think? That's right. I, I just, I, um, I have watched it within the last year or so. I just don't directly recall yeah i i saw it in theater when it came out and haven't seen it since and uh, okay. this will be the first time we're seeing seeing a tom cruise film besides eyes wide shut that's kind of about all the weird shit this will be the first time seeing something since hearing about the weird shit mm, okay 
Uh, so next week, then we'll be doing Mission Impossible and Alien from L.A. Uh, Tom Cruise also an Alien from L.A. <laughs> I was, I was thinking, yeah. it. <laughs> I, the Alien from L.A. themes episode. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Holly Weird. Hmm. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Some asbestos felt, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like to order a pizza. <laughs> then they'll know. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, I, I should have prepared a rap about the episode in advance, but I obviously didn't do that. Oh, <laughs> oh that would have been great. Uh, but yeah, so Mission Impossible and uh, Alien from L.A. next week. Uh, do you have any last thoughts before we close for this week, before our 100th episode next week? Am I the asshole? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, thanks, everyone, so much for listening.